right, Jeff Keeley, who? It's time for the <laughs> PDLTTYLDOIGOTY2021. We are here, Nick and Alex, the only people whose video game opinions you can trust, telling you what came out in the past 12 months. I know you've all been waiting a whole year to know. I know. You can't check. Can't check the, the new release of Steam page. You're like, I got to wait until the end of December for the Please Don't Cast Boys to tell me what came out in the past year. And uh, that's what we're here for. We're here to, to kind of uh, talk about some of our favorite stuff in this past year. And it's been a, a little bit of a strange year for releases. I yeah. I want to say this is an off year. Like, uh, I was thinking a couple of years ago, I was thinking like, okay, 2017 and 2019, those were jam packed of like mm-hmm. tons and tons of games that everyone loved. And I'm like, well, we're on uh, an every other year cycle where every other year is going to be full to the brim with uh, tons of games. And that's just how long it takes. How like we're on a delayed release kind of thing, so you have like one kind of light year and then one like crazy year, yeah. and that's I don't know if that's uh, the case anymore because I I think that twenty twenty one maybe the pandemic has thrown off the the timeline for that, but there were still uh, a lot of things that yeah. I thought were really it, good, really it inventive. Is, it is funny to say that this is a light year for games when like um, a new Metroid came out, a new Halo I know. came out, like yeah, like, huge, huge, a new Resident Evil Absolutely. came out, like. <laughs> It's you know what I think that, it might be? I yeah. think it might be for me is that we're in the we're at the start of a new console generation because nobody can fucking get their hands on them. Mm-hmm. Those games might as well not exist to me. I don't know what they are. I don't <laughs> care what they are. Yeah. Uh, I bet you that Demon Souls remake is pretty good, but I'll never play it. Yeah. Uh, I I could never uh, I could never get my hands on one of those things, and um, I mean with Xbox at least uh, the freaks like you and I with PCs can like uh, get in on some yeah. of those exclusives. Like if I wanted to play uh, Forza Horizon Five, I could just. Uh, get download that uh 500 gigabyte game and then play it right now yeah, it was like 80 70 all right. 80 gigs all right all right that's not so bad i, I, I was i was expecting it. the I worst i have not started it up yet so i won't be able to talk on that but death I, stranding is like 100 gigs or some shit it, so i mean i i was like forza horizon 5 looks better and has more moving objects so that's got to be even that's got to be even <laughs> more uh even more space but anyway um uh i'm nick of course you recognize me from the regular show where i give everyone silly names and uh, I make everyone read books, but uh, I'm, I played a lot of stuff this year, and I am here with Alex. Hello. And I think we're me. just gonna do it. We're gonna do it the same way we did last year, right? Where we kind of just yeah. take it one by one, and uh, like I'll do one, and then you do one, and we'll uh, just keep going until we kind of either either run out or we have other stuff that we want to fit in or whatever. Yeah, I definitely think um, we had a good format last year with this, and I, yes. I I think we might have less total games to talk about than last year. I don't know about you, but um, <laughs> certainly for me, I played more of the stuff that more things that came out this year. But I think that combined, it might be less. Okay, I might might want to slot in a, a couple honorable mentions of uh, mm-hmm. first plays this year that are old games because I had a lot okay, of, yeah, I had a lot of all timers this year uh, that all right. are not from this year. I will refrain from doing that so that this podcast is not three hours long. Um, uh, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to start us off with the first game that came out this year that I played, which came out like immediately, like first or second week of January, and you and I both played it. Hitman 3, the only uh, game bad enough to get me to download the Epic Store launcher. <laughs> and uh, lots of games tried it. Outer Wilds, because Outer Wilds, I didn't know how amazing it was going to be. I, didn't, I wasn't willing to download the Epic yep. Store launcher for that. I was convinced that that thing was malware like Ubisoft Uplay, so I was just ready to not 
speak. Do it. But the both of the Wilds games got, or both both the Outer games got. Me. Yeah, Outer Wilds, yeah. Outer Worlds, Outer Wilds, Outer my, Worlds. My epic both epic, store. epic, uh, epic store exclusives on PC. So like, uh, you know, it's not like Steam is like that great. It's nice to have all your stuff in one place. The sales are good, and uh, it's yeah, a nice and um, nice and compact. But like. Uh, it doesn't. It's like more like there are no negatives as opposed to there are a bunch of positives on Steam. So when <laughs> somebody neutral. else, com- yeah, <laughs> when somebody else comes and they're like they have a a positive in which in this case being Hitman Three is going to be out on it months earlier, and uh, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll I guess I'll download this thing then. I to this day, uh, 12, 12 months later, I have not installed a single other game on my Epic Store launcher. But I will tell you, Hitman Three. Uh, it's Hitman Three. It's the it's the yep. third one of those games of of the 2016 2018 IO Interactive uh, Hitman good games stuff. that you like. It's the yeah, third one. and uh, they really knocked it out of the fucking park. I, I thought like I mm-hmm. really loved this one. I don't think it's my favorite of the trilogy, but I think that um like all of these levels, the fact that you can play any of the levels with like the right. updated yeah, visuals and physics and ga- gadgets and everything. It's hard to be critical of Hitman 3, I think, because it is just all three. It just encompasses all the rest of them. It's it's mm. like, oh, that game that you already like just got one-third times bigger. Oh, yeah, year. and <laughs> every mission they added, even the gimmick ones, are really good. So yeah. you, you've got, um, like, you know, Hitman is you are, you're given a target. you got to get in there, kill them, and get out. And ideally, you want to do that as inconspicuously as possible. You people shouldn't even know that it was a murder. Maybe it would be nice if it was an accident. It would be nice if the body was never found. Like those kind of things are things that you can make happen. But uh, it doesn't have to be that way. And they give you lots of guns and explosives and other wacky things you can use. Yeah. Um, the explosive rubber duck is a favorite of mine uh, because <laughs> yeah. people, when people see a brightly colored rubber duck, they bend down to pick it up, which means that it's uh, often good for stopping targets in their tracks. Uh, if they're on a, a like, path oh, yeah. to somewhere. What the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Their security I, detail doesn't tell them not to touch something that's beeping. Yeah. Uh, but I, think... I, I really oh, liked the gimmick levels of here on display here because uh, you they, they're like, we've done two of these in a row now. We've done a lot of levels for this. We want to show that we can branch out a little bit. We can do some other stuff. So uh one of the levels has you showing up it as a murder mystery is already happening in the house and you can choose to solve it it's it will help you uh get access to different places throughout the mansion if you choose to help solve it because if you are you know taking on the disguise of the detective you can get into all these different rooms Mm -hmm. um and it, it's a good way to meet all these these supporting characters and figure out what's going on, learn all the secret passageways so that after you do kill your target, you can make your way out a little easier. That stuff is fun. Uh, the Berlin mission where uh, they're sending assassins after you, so you don't have <laughs> you have to figure out who the assassins are, and they're doing the exact same shit that you do where they're in disguises, and they're trying to find you and kill you. Uh, but you just have to get to them first. You have to get to five of them first, and then the mission ends. But there are that, 12 of them in there, and that's, that's like, yeah. <clears throat> that specific mission has one of my favorite little bits in this game because, like, throughout all, the, all these Hitman reboots, um, you've been able to get uh, disguises and, you know, uh, play the role as someone's therapist or someone's mm-hmm. doctor or someone's masseuse. Masseuse, yes. And uh, 47 is just naturally good at it, which is like mm-hmm. half the comedy in these games. It's just right. him being co- a completely competent drummer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and all yeah. that. Um, 
this one, if you do, if you knock out the owner of the club, you can call, uh, it's called someone in for a meeting and all of the, all of your targets will come in. They'll clock you. They'll be like, you're not, you're not the guy. Uh-huh. And then they all come in to have a shootout with you. It's a, it's a really cool kind of inversion of what you do That's for really the rest fun. of the game. I love that. Yeah, I never even did that one because I ended up having so many other ways that I wanted to kill them. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's construction stuff that you can drop on them. There's a really great sniping point if you want to do sniper assassin. You can just get them all through windows from like a mile away. And they they get really upset when you start doing that because like you can hear their radio calls and they're like, where is he? Where, what is he doing? Like, how how is this happening? We're, we're searching the entire club. He's not in here. Um. How do you uh, feel about the the, the final level? Because that's the final it, level. It's an interesting. It's kind of yeah. I, I've I've heard some mixed impressions on it, but I think it was it was pretty it's, fun. It's it's really good for the climax of the uh, of this trilogy, for the climax of this series to do to say we're doing it on a snowy train. There's one target, and uh, uh, you can choose not to kill him. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but I wish it was a little less scripted. I don't know how you would do that because it's so linear. It's so yeah. linear. There's like obviously you still have options. You can choose to sneak around the train or or blind them with well, flashbangs or. I really like the choice. Like they tell you straight out on the at the beginning of this last mission, um, you won't lose points for uh, killing non-targets. So you can yeah. just go wild. Well, because everyone there is is <laughs> there to kill you. So yeah, like it's back. not yeah no reason to not accept points for that. But it's also like like I thought that was pretty good. Like it's obviously not my favorite one. I, I prefer one the ones with more freedom. The yeah. vineyard. Uh, Alex, I don't. I did oh, you yeah. ever did you ever do the Stonington Vineyards with us when we worked there? No, not really. Okay, that's uh, fine. But like, that's what it reminded me of. Like, I was very yeah. excited to do that because I'm <laughs> I've been to a a big vineyard that has like you know the the upstairs area, the downstairs area, and then like the the like house of the owner, right. like all as a part of the same complex. And I'm like, this is great because I know a space like this in real life that will help me navigate this one, and. I just think that having these assassinations take place in such interesting places and like giving you all these options, like it's just a really, really good game. And I, and the only thing I can dock at points for, the only thing, is that it still does the only online horse shit that they've been doing <laughs> yeah. since 2016. I would love when my internet goes out to still be able to play Hitman, but they are not making that possible. They're making it really, really annoying because like you don't earn any like experience yeah, you don't if earn you're not online at all, and I don't think you can use any of you the progression yeah. that you've unlocked. Yeah, because like I, I assumed right when the game first came out, I'm like, oh, this is a heavily like publisher mandated thing. I bet you that like this is like a you know Square Enix said it has to be like this or WB Interactive when they got it. I bet you they were like it's you got to do the oldies online shit because that's a big money thing for developers. Yeah. Like they're like we want people to be always online so that we can track every single piece of data about them playing this game, which we can then use to either sell to advertisers or use to make the next game or whatever. And yeah, um. I just think it, it sucks to always have to be online to play a game that you that is single player that you are downloading onto your own computer. You know, there's no reason that it has to be always online, but it still is. And it fucking sucks. It fucking sucks. Like IO Interactive isn't owned by anyone anymore. They're doing it on their own. They if they nobody's making them do this except for them now. So why does it have to be this way? It just sucks. Yeah. But the game's really good. So I mean like I, you know, you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. I guess. Yeah. yeah. 
I think like this was also probably one of my most anticipated games this year, and mm-hmm. I, I think it it delivered in a lot of ways. I really appreciated how they tied some of the story in because the story was co- almost non-existent. There was like not much context yeah. in the first two. They pulled it they together kind of, well. They you, they kind of bring it in into something that feels holistic and feels satisfying over like a three game arc, um, and I think they might have sacrificed a little bit with the levels to make that happen but mm. it, it was a, it was a worthy trade-off i think especially when i can just go play miami whenever i want now like <laughs> like i could just go play the old maps um yeah hitman 3 great yeah Ooh. absolutely uh i so that one um that one was really really incredible uh do you want to pick one next i know yeah, we both I, that, I know that one was both of us but like still i think i will um I might try and go in order here. Um, outside of Hitman 3, I think the first game from this year that I finished was not until... Well, actually, I I replayed Pikmin 3 because the uh, deluxe version came out this year, I am pretty sure. Um, oh, that came out on Switch, huh? That I was that, was that so. When was that? That was like March or something? Yeah, it was early this year. Um, I, I want to say... I, I had completed my replay in February, so that's when I'm going to say it come, came out. Mm-hmm. Got an entire episode on that. It's pretty good, I gotta say. Yeah, uh, we we pretty, pretty we, we hashed that out. Pikmin three, uh, pretty significantly. Liked it a lot. Um, I'm gonna jump to April. Uh, I okay. played for the first time uh, the original Near by way of the oh. remake. Yeah, Near Replicant came out this year. Yeah, uh, or Near. Oh God, what what did they actually call Nier it? Near Replicant. Uh, version point zero yeah um thank you yoko taro uh (laughs) i i played the original i quite like the original that was like a a thing that where andrew's like hey don't look up anything about this game and you should play it and i'm like okay let's let's go into it i had a really great time i'm excited to hear because you played automata first so i'm interested to know what how uh, how that remake is and uh what how you Um, enjoyed it yeah i I see this remake as a way to kind of uh soften up that original a little bit because it is Mm. it's got some edges exactly the most <laughs> enjoyable to play especially compared against the kind of gameplay in the in automata the you know big polished platinum games action video games um but i think they did a great job with this remake they kind of split the difference um fighting in it is a little bit more button mashy uh which i didn't mind because i don't i didn't get a ton out of automata's combat really <laughs> it, like it wasn't as much a character action game for me it was a story game uh, so it was fun to play this and kind of just, you know, tap-a-tap-a through all the combat. But uh, I liked all the characters. I, I did the full gambit of all the endings. And I think, especially compared against Automata, having played it first, there's a lot more repetition in this one than there is in those. Um, they kind of... Yeah, that's that was built into the game yes. of, of, the, of the first Nier. Yeah, and you're doing, like... You're doing a lot of stuff over and over again, and I, I see the appeal. I think it's interesting. Uh, I would have probably have cut some of that out, personally. Um, but a lot of the individual story beats, when I got to see new stuff, it was all really interesting and cool. I think that the characters here are a lot more uh, interesting and well-established. Um, I personally than... think that the main character of the original Nier loses something by not being ugly as Sin. But yes. I know other people yeah. do not see that the same way. Uh, this, re- this remake adapts the original Japanese version where it's your brother. Or, uh, uh, what's her name? Your, it's Yona, your sister. Right? Yona is Yona, your sister. Something yeah. like that. Uh, not your uh, daughter. Which is something that they they did for the like American audience. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Well, it's a fun him... like thing that doesn't that doesn't really matter, but like it's a fun like version difference. Yeah. Where you can be like, okay, well, on the Xbox it's this cover, and on on the PS3 it's this cover. Well, on the Xbox it's the, uh, the hideous father character, and on the uh, <laughs> PS3 it is the it is the pretty boy brother character. And those are yeah, those I are the two options. I don't know how how much this bears out in the in that. In, the, US in terms edit. of the actual story, it doesn't matter that much. But the um, both his hideous design and his uh, hilariously bad outfit in the time skip were very endearing to me. Yeah. Uh, so they they added a lot to my experience of the game. So without that, I, I don't know if I would appreciate it. Would have appreciated the original near as much. Yeah. But I am happy it, that you it got to got to do that. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that they did have a time skip to like to even that out a little bit because he is like a. I don't know, the 13-year-old that becomes, like, an 18-year-old or whatever. I, I don't remember the exact time period, but um, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Uh, this remake added a, like, brand-new ending that was... It was a little slight, but it was interesting in that it kind of... It bridged the gap a little bit. It had some aesthetic ties to Nier Automata, but didn't really... I Unless I dig deep on the lore, I have no idea. But it didn't really connect them in a story way, which is good, because I didn't really want that. Anyway. Um... When you have played the end of the original Nier, like all the way through to the end, and then you see the trailer for Nier Automata, and the trailer for Nier Automata says we're protecting the remnants of humanity, you just you just grimace when they yeah. say when they say that. <laughs> so and and obviously uh, they don't. That's not the twist in Automata. There's like a hundred right. twists in Automata, so yeah. that's not that's it's not a very really minor the, one. That that's not really the thing. Humans are dead. It's like oh, all yeah. right. <laughs> but um, but to so I was thinking I was thinking to myself that well, there's nothing that I am going to miss out on from uh, you know not playing this version of Near Replicant and uh, like I, I shouldn't be surprised they added more story stuff but I do think that it's cool that they did it's 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 fun and I I think that they probably I think that it's good that more people got get to experience the first Near which was doing yeah. a lot of the things that people love in indie games now. And in 2015, it was doing it right, five years yeah. earlier. And I think it still is a cool, interesting... Like, they did this... They did they did kind of this trick again in Nier Automata, and a lot of other games have done this. But I think it is still, even playing it in the current year, it is a fun twist where in order to save a character at the very end of the game, you have to give up your save data. Like, that's a fun, interesting twist, and I like that a lot. And if you try to enter your name again, it says this name... That name cannot be used. It's like, oh, yeah, you can't even... You can't even bring it back again that's it right. it's over it's very it's very heartrending in a way that like works on you the player as well as in, for the in-character reasons yeah and i like that they played in this in this original game that they played that more for drama because um, in they also do this trick in your automata but they do it more for uh your camaraderie with other players it's a very yeah. it's a different kind of deal and i like them i like both of the executions of it i think yeah, uh, um, Automata almost does like a Death Stranding thing where it's like you don't know this person, but they're gonna help yeah, you to help push somebody else up the hill. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was good. I it hasn't stuck in my mind as much as near Automata, but a lot of that is because I think Automata takes bigger swings. It, it, it does more uh, heady out there stuff that I like a little more. But they're both great games. All right. Well, I am gonna take us right back to January uh, for. I think it was January anyway. When did this? Yeah, I didn't come mean out? to make this chronological. Uh, no, hold on. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wrote my list chron chronologically. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, no, it's uh, February. So in February, 
a little game called Honey Pop 2 Double Date came out. And oh, I could have easily boy. left this off the list, but I don't think I could in good conscience. Because Emily and I played a lot of this game this year, and we had a lot of fun with it. Um, for as much as it is uh, playing Bejeweled in order to have sex with two girls at once, uh, <laughs> I think that it is a valuable, like, it's a really good, fun game. And I accidentally missed one piece of text in this tutorial because I wasn't paying attention, not because of uh, the game displayed it badly. And I ended up basically playing it on hard mode for half of it. Uh, you see, there's two little circles that tell you which uh, symbols you want to use and don't want to use. And I thought it was just like a ranked choice thing. Like, the first one was the symbols that they liked, and the second one was the symbols that they liked the second most, and everything else was normal. Uh, so I was giving people the lowest value matches for, like, half the game and uh, really making it extra hard on myself for no reason. Anyway, um, this game combines dating and management sim stuff like uh, getting gifts and uh, like go to get going to different locations um, combines that with like uh, the general good puzzle stuff of making matches and like there being extra conditions on the matches depending on like the emotional state of the girl that you're out with at the time and uh, some uh, girls get along better together and some don't and uh, it's a really like this a uh, puzzle porn game has so much goddamn effort put into it. It is like really, really well done. And if they ever do a third one, then I know that Emily and I will be playing. Cause like this is what Emily and I would sit down, put it on the big TV, like the gigantic TV that we have in our living room, and we are, uh, you know, having sex with two anime girls at once because we uh, were good at puzzles. That's what we were doing it's... in in February, and we had a great time. That's great. It's, this, it's is so gonna sound, this is going to sound so insane, but I genuinely think it's good when you have company. It's so fascinating <laughs> that you make this a social experience. Because I, I guarantee like 85% of the people who play this game, uh, it might be a little bit more solitary, a little yeah. bit more shameful, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's, you know, the, it's the, a great the power, bonding the power of having someone accepting your life is really something. The, even the things that you probably really should be ashamed of, so you, uh, you look at with pride. <laughs> And uh, I had a I had a great time with this game. I could have skipped over this, but I didn't want to. I think that it, I think that I they really deserves like calling out that it would that it is a fun game that does what it's set out to do in a well done way. And like it's it's pretty long too. Like there are like a lot of like we didn't we didn't finish it because there are so many scenarios to get through. Because wow. you have to like beat every girl's route to get to the end. It's it's pretty it's pretty intense. Huh. And uh, okay. I, I thought it was really good. All right, you're, let's move on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me go down the line here. Uh, I think it might be Resident Evil Village time. All right. Um, coming into this year, aside from Hitman 3, this is my other, like, far, by far most anticipated game this year. I, um, you know, as a big fan of a lot of what Capcom has been doing lately, um, even just outside of Resident Evil as a series. I think they've been on a real roll. Um, but uh, the last couple of remakes have been great. The Resident Evil 7 was great. I was riding pretty high coming into this, and I was excited that they were going back to first person with a new mainline entry. They were doing Ethan again, as bland as he is. I love the little fuck. Um, I was happy to see a lot of this. Um, it was pretty good. I think it... I. I've said I've wanted to revisit it. I still have it installed on my hard drive. I have not played through this again. And that might be a little damning for a Resident Evil game because <laughs> they're meant to be replayed. 
Um, but this was fun. I um, played this uh, shortly after my graphics card stopped working properly. So I, I played this on a backup graphics card that is much less powerful than um, probably should be to run this video game. I imagine that assumes that uh, affects the experience quite a bit. I was playing this at a cinematic 20 FPS. God damn it. <laughs> But uh, it was still great. I mean, it, it still like felt good to play. Some of the cutscenes went down to single digits, but um, it was still really enjoyable. Um, I liked th this game. Rolls in. It's it feels like a real victory lap for the series, a real celebration of what Resident Evil is and has been. Uh, they uh, bring this back to a, a like uh, European village setting. They evoke Resident Evil Four a ton. Um, it's just so cool to be, you know, co collecting treasure to sell to a merchant to upgrade your gun again. Like, just, like, cool shit like that that you, like, the series has mostly moved past. Um, but having that kind of mashed up with the, like, Resident Evil 7 canon and the uh, characters and story beats there is, makes for a really interesting mix. I think um, it's pretty good um, <laughs> i definitely have more to say about it but i'm 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 coming up a little short i um did just not stick with you as much as other games this year I maybe think so i think I, it, was, it was a real deliberate pivot to be less scary than resident evil 7 which is um, i I, I felt like that was a shame i mean obviously i shouldn't talk about it that much because i haven't played it but like yeah uh, and, and yeah. instead of doing instead of doing like one kind of cohesive atmospheric scary experience like seven they kind of made it into a theme park, which I like, and some people don't like. But they, um, after kind of the first act, after you kind of get into the game, um, you fight the uh, tall, steppy vampire that everyone's horny over. Um, and the kind of first trick of the game is that, like, that is only the first couple hours. Um, you uh, have a boss fight and kill tall vampire lady pretty early. And she's most of the marketing. Um, the rest of this game kind of has you tackling um, uh, uh, pretty much the four Lord Souls of this <laughs> village. Um, a, a bunch Can you of get them in any order, or is it like... Uh... Unfortunately, it is a set order. Okay. I think maybe... I don't know if that was intended all along. I, it kind of feels like you should be able to fight them in order, but um, there's definitely a deliberate kind of pace to it, I think. Um, but I, I think all those characters are interesting and have a little bit to them. So they're, they're kind of inconsistent as far as development goes. Um, Lady Ben Viento, the one that everybody talks about, is kind of the uh, scary, spooky baby escape room section um, that is the most directly evoking kind of a fear response. I think that all of that is really cool. The character themselves is like a crazy puppet lady with a puppet, and it's like, she barely has anything. <laughs> um, then you fight... Um, a character named Moreau who turns into a giant monster, which seems a little on the nose, uh, but uh, also very fun. Um, now, if I remember correctly, Moreau had the monsters. He was not <laughs> the monster, but I guess you got to well. make do with what you can. <laughs> um, and then you fight uh, Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a tank, accent. right? Yeah. Um, the character named Heisenberg, who has all of Magneto's powers, um, with an insane voice uh it's the game is interesting the game is interesting the game is good i liked now, it now here's I, a little tip from someone who's played a lot of uh, marvel versus capcom magneto should never lose to a resident evil character so something's going on there <laughs> well don't worry you have a tank that you fight him in that isn't magnetic okay oh the, the <laughs> or wooden it's not tank. made of metal yeah i don't know <laughs> or the pvc tank 
you fall into a pit and Chris is there and he's like, I have this tank. It, it will work against Heisenberg. Use it. Nice. <laughs> um, the game is sloppy, but I think it's the good kind of sloppy as opposed to the like RE6 uh, fall of <laughs> decline of the genre. Uh, can't be uh, sloppy. But I, I'm a little concerned about where they're going to go moving forward. I think that this could be the beginning of another decline for them. Um, I think that they're a much better company than they were back in the kind of the doldrums of five and six, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Jeez. I like right. this game. Though. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, uh, I haven't played it yet, so I, I can't really speak on it too much, but I was uh, a little hesitant about the direction they were going with it, but I was excited for it. And then when, by the time it actually came around, I was like, ah, whatever. Like I, I was just able yeah. to something about it just wasn't that, that, wasn't there for me but hearing you describe it and hearing like everyone who loved who loved it like really talk about it just made me feel made me feel like that you know maybe there's something there maybe there's something that i gotta get to yeah i think if they do i'll I'll probably come back to it i mean Um, i I don't the one that people compare it to the most is resident evil 4 and i i mean there's nobody who doesn't like resident evil 4 right like it's it's not maybe not what i was looking for with this game but i'm i'm gonna enjoy it yeah, I think a lot of that stuff is maybe a little surface level. I think it doesn't pl- it doesn't like feel like it plays like four. It just kind of nods to it a lot, which to some I could see being annoying. But also, it's like oh, it's evoking one of the vast RE games. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll 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 hunt to upgrade my stats and uh, go shoot crystals out of the wall. I don't know. Yeah, I was in for it. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Let me pull out my list and see what I've got next. All right. Oh, uh, next on my list, no wonder I couldn't remember it. It's a new Pokemon Snap. Uh, <laughs> it was, um, no, I was I was pretty excited for this game when it came out. It was kind of like a, a more bite-sized thing, honestly. But then when I, when I, I said that, and I say that now, and I haven't yeah. thought about it that much since I played it. However, it, I genu- genuinely don't think that there's anything I would have wanted them to do really differently you know yeah. like they get it all right they have the the courses they have uh the, the thing i maybe i guess i would change is they have they have too many things you can throw at the pokemon that feel like they do the same thing uh they don't but uh it's just like they're they're just a little too close like you have like light orbs that will like uh light them up to get that to get a better picture but also sometimes it'll make them do a special action like evolve or use an attack or pop out of like cover or something and then you also have like these little fruits that you can throw at them that will like lure them out if they want to eat them or you can hit them with it if you're trying to knock them off of something so that you can get a better picture. And uh, I feel like the, the binary arcade system of like throw one thing to bother them and throw the other thing to lure them over, it was a little better uh, in, in terms of just function when you're on rails taking pictures of Pokemon. But at the same time, these like little on rails levels are really good and like like, if you're somebody who's spent way too much time playing Pokemon, like you and I have, to just be able to point and go, that's Whalmer, and you get all excited. <laughs> my my and, boy! Yeah, look, it's <laughs> Whalmer. That, that that looks like a tree, but it's actually a Sudowoodo, and then you get to the other side, and of course it is a Sudowoodo, because you know what it looks that, like, and it's, that's that very exciting. That dumb trick always works for me. It's the reason I've yeah. watched so much of the fucking anime. It's like, oh, oh, fuck, there's Electrode. Yeah. Dude! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is why we loved Detective Pikachu so much, is because we kept, yeah. kept getting to point at the screen and go, I know that Pokemon! And, like, <laughs> uh, this one, this game gives you all of that. It gives you something that the regular games cannot possibly do, which is Pokemon in a natural environment. Like, 
doing what they would be doing if they were animals. And that is so cool. It's really, really great. Uh, especially on N64. Yeah. It, but, th- but I mean, like, there wasn't that much of a place to take yeah. this concept, but it doesn't need that much refinement. Unless you're going to turn it into something different than what well, it yeah, is, I which is a safari like, tour of Pokemon. This is one of those things where people have always clamored for another Pokemon spinoff, and it's what's wild to think that one, it is out, and two, it is like, wow, <coughs> it's Pokemon Snap. Yeah, like of course there's yeah. not much you can do with this. It was already a great game. Yeah, exactly. It is, <laughs> it is about as good as the old one. I don't know if I would say if it's any better. Um, I did have a nice big reaction every time Pokemon I didn't expect would show up. Um, the legendaries uh, start showing up more after you beat the main campaign, which is fun because then you go back into places you already were, and then like these like you know Mew shows up, and you're like, whoa, it's Mew! <laughs> like you just saw a celebrity or something. It's very uh, very satisfying. Um, but there's like I don't know what else to say about this because I don't know I don't have any notes. It's just yeah, that's what it is. I, I like the yeah. uh, they do a lot with the underwater and water sections because that, that's you know that's like if you go on a, a glass bottom boat tour or something like that and you see you see uh, like fish and manta rays and things like that like all that stuff is always so cool in real life and just to be able to do with all these fantastical things like all right we're going into an underwater cave and it's like there's a tentacle there oh that's so cool like it's just like that <laughs> stuff is exciting even without the oh I gotta get a good picture of it and should I try and lure it over here for a better shot and like all that stuff if it was just Jeez. videos you could watch it would still be pretty good but the game on top of it is good as well <laughs> yeah I think that the thing that makes Pokemon spinoffs work so well specifically I think is that they have such a deep bench to pull from you can true like in a series with like 900 characters you can do whatever <laughs> you want like a water level can have a surprising thing because there are I don't know 200 water Pokemon? You could do whatever with that. Like, it's, it, there's a, always a surprise there, which I think is, is pretty important for these kinds of games. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that it was good. I didn't hear too many people talk about new Pokemon Snap, but I might be interested in checking it out at some point as a, as a fan of the original game. Mm. Yeah, I, um, I feel like even if you haven't played the original game, even if you haven't played every Pokemon game, this one's still pretty good. Like, just being, <laughs> yeah. just, being ha- just like, Having having them show all of this stuff to you, you know, it's it works well for me. I don't really have anything else to say on it, but I, I'm I'm happy I did it this year, and I don't think I'll be returning to it anytime soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so I played. This is another uh, Switch port, um, but it had a new thing. Uh, I played the I played uh, Mario 3D World for the first time this year. Oh. Yeah, um, as well as Bowser's Fury. Bowser's um, Fury was on my list as well. It's actually pretty okay. close to the top of my list, to be honest. Oh, all right. Uh, you want to? I'll, I'll just do my Type Five on 3D World if you want to take sure. Bowser's Fury because sure. I honestly didn't. I didn't finish it. <laughs> so, um, I uh, 3D World is a game, an ancient video game that came out on the ill-fated system, the Wii U, that no one bought. Um, but uh, I hadn't gotten around to it because of that, and uh, it was pretty good. I. I think coming back to this game and playing it post Mario Odyssey was really interesting because this is like a completely different evolutionary kind of line from what they ended up doing with Odyssey. Um, Leading up to that, leading up to like the Switch and putting out Odyssey, they really were doing this kind of Mario Galaxy, Mario 3D Land, Mario 3D World kind of trajectory of uh, here's a wild, cool, fun level 
that's our one idea. We're done with it. We're moving on to the next one. Uh, and I think that that might be a better direction for Mario. I, that's I, why I Galaxy 2 you... is my favorite 3D Mario game. It's <laughs> it's. Uh, I just think that that formula works so well. And I think that, like, th- I love 3D World and Galaxy 2 because they work on that style so well. Yeah, and I think that... Uh, I'm a little colder on, a little bit more skeptical of Mario Odyssey than uh, probably the general consensus. And I think it is because, um, well, in part, I think, you know, I have other issues with this game, but in part because, like, there there are only, like, ten worlds. It's like, cool. I, I You know, in playing one of these games that has, I don't know, eight worlds, every stage feels different in those worlds. It feels like you're playing a hundred different games. Um and that variety was really nice. It was really welcome this year. I just had so much fun with this simple, enjoyable uh, platforming experience. Yeah. My only real gripe with this style of game is that um, the camera is a little weird. It can be hard to judge depth sometimes in these maps. And I never yeah, really got used to it. definitely takes some getting used to, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the camera is not really specifically positioned behind you because it's a multiplayer game you can play with four people so everyone needs to see so they're kind of like on the side on the back angles and they don't change too much where you're they're changing mid jump or you know other platformers have issues with camera this is more just like how far and how back you are from where you're looking on that felt a little weird but that's my only real gripe i really liked playing this um very old wii u game uh on my nintendo switch yeah, um, so I had because I had already played and beaten 3D World. I picked this up for what sixty dollars or some shit. Was this actually sixty dollars? Yep. I, I, believe I picked it this was. up for sixty goddamn dollars just to get the add-on for it. Um, and you know what? I ended up really liking it. So in the end, it was worth it. Um, but it, uh, Bowser's Fury kind of plops you on like a series of islands uh, and gives you a big dinosaur to like to ride around on in between them, Plessy. And, like, these little micro-challenges are working with a combination of your 3D World moveset and your Odyssey moveset. Because you have, like, the dive and the roll from Odyssey. It really feels like they split the difference. I I think this is, you know, I was complaining about Odyssey a little bit, but I think this is probably my favorite version of kind of combining those two things. Yeah. It felt really great. Like, it really does feel like they're letting you loose in a big playground that's split off into different sections. And it's so nice. It's so, so nice. It also has, uh, like, the the whole, I imagine it could be annoying, uh, but I really never got annoyed at the whole, like, Bowser rising out of the, the lake oh, every, yeah. every like, four minutes or whatever. Um, and you I had a... Kind I, of a minigame. Yeah, you, well, to, you, uh, you can either do the minigame or you can wait him out or you can lure him over to a certain place or, or, or if you just collect a, a, a cat shine, which is what they're called in this game, uh, then he immediately goes back. Which is like, so like there's, there are ways to end it if you don't want to be in that state. Um, but you know, I, I just had so much fun with this game. It's one of the, I think it is the only Mario game that I have 100% of my first time through. Like I, I, I finished wow, it, right. I saw the regular credits and then I'm like, I'm not done with it yet. So I'm going to go back and get the rest <laughs> of them. And I was just happy with it. it it's like. The, it's not it doesn't feel bloated you know all these like little things are so small like these little, tiny little challenges that still feel satisfying to complete and um, uh, you know just his movement is so satisfying uh, riding around on Plessy the dinosaur is great 
Uh, like, I, it's just, it's just like the movement's great. It builds well on 3D World. It's got uh, some satisfying endgame stuff where like Fury Bowser gets stronger and there's like more spinning, rotating platforms and lava and spikes and all that. Uh, but you know, it's it's still it's still on the easy side. Uh, not a ton of stuff in it. I, I did the whole thing in maybe like like six or seven hours, something like that. Uh, and um, uh, Bowser Jr. does not need to be there. I mean, I, I don't know if I could really put that as a minus. He just doesn't need to be there. He's fine. He doesn't like hurt the game, but like, is he, the, he does the kind of like like Nintendo loves to do like the uh, if your younger brother is here and hand this to your baby sister. Yeah she, yeah, she can be yeah. the character nobody likes. Um, <laughs> but no, you know, uh, it it does work out. I think like I think I could see myself coming back for more Bowser's Fury. If this is a, a preview of what they're working on with Mario, like they're going to do something with this kind of moveset or this kind of game design, I am ready for it. I want more of that. I think that that was really good. I agree. Yeah. All right. What else you got next? Uh, I think I might... It might be Delta in Chapter 2 time. Oh, baby. That's a good one. Yeah, so this kind of... <laughs> this one came out of nowhere for me. I mean, nobody really knows what Toby Fox is ever up to. But, no, of course not. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it has been what two three years since the first chapter uh first one was i think 2018 so three years yeah um and i i like the first chapter well enough i had played that around when he dropped it for free as you know the the demo you know he kind of stealth dropped it um and I, it definitely felt like a more of a proof of concept i think we might have talked about this but uh i I liked it. I thought it was interesting, and I, I feel, it felt pretty cohesive to me as just, oh, this is a little story he wanted to tell. But it seems like he wants to continue with this uh, this whole universe, and uh, part two makes that pretty clear, and I think fully establishes what both the level of quality and kind of what he wants to do episodically with the, the game going forward. Um, I really like this kind of setup. I, I wasn't sure how they were going to continue on after chapter one because it seemed like okay we went to the card uh you know the board games card games world we defeated the king uh we have all our friends we will on and then we get to go home uh this one kind of puts you in a different world this time themed after the uh computer room which is so good the computer room of a library specifically which is very like all right these are barely hooked up to the internet let's let's make these work (laughs) um and that structure is so cool i'm like I'm curious what, you know, when they do chapter three, where they're going to put it. Because, you know, if it's like somewhere in your town or somewhere in your school, you know, what other things could they do a weird theme like this off of? It'll be cool to see. But this one specifically, like, I think it's, it's so good. I think they really hit the, hit their stride with all the dumb computer jokes, all the like, um, pokey 90s cyber stuff. It's all oh, yeah. like so good. It's uh, so the, on the um, nose for what. The name of the chapter is A Cyber's World, which is just like <laughs> like such a, an intentionally clumsy way of phrasing it. I really liked that. Yeah, uh, Queen um, is my favorite like villainous oh, character. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Like, like ever maybe? I don't know. She's she's really, really funny. To do like a kind of um, uh, like manic a drunken mom character as the as your villain <laughs> and she's constantly yeah. like saying she's making alliances with people which is always very funny uh i like toby fox's writing and gameplay strengths are like all over this but i would i liked it way more than i liked chapter chapter one even though chapter one was not bad at all i just i never finished it i went back and right. finished chapter one so that i could do this 
yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that they're kind of building on, they're building on each other more so than I thought. Like this one, if you have a save file for chapter one, they do a couple fun polls where they'll uh, reference a, a choice you made or a thing you did. Um, in one of the fights, you have to fight against your uh, robot uh, that you built, or your creation you built in chapter one, which is fun. Yep, the creation you built that um, didn't get used in chapter one because they said, oh, it looked too hard or it looked like it sucked, so we threw it in the trash. And then one <laughs> another character's like, I found these plans in the trash and they're so good. How can't believe <laughs> yeah. they threw them away? Yeah. Uh, and I hope that more of that stuff comes through because all those, like, that's so charming and that's so good. Um, uh, the new characters are pretty great. I, I really enjoyed, the, I like that they're bringing in more of the, like, seemingly one-off characters from your classroom mm -hmm. as more major characters than these. Um, you love to hate Birdie. You like uh, Rudolph Girl, his Noel. name I forgot. Yep. Um, and I, I like how they've kind of melded into the main cast that we have already. Uh, yeah, uh, this game is great. A couple of really fun gameplay mix-ups. I like that they have a punch-out mini-game and that they that, I'm, make I'm, you do it for the final I boss. I can't be mad at you for it because I got really excited, but I didn't know there was a punch-out mini-game, and Alex accidentally spoiled it for me, yeah. and that got me so excited. Punch-out is one of my favorite games ever, and so for him to go, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, there's the punch-out mini-game that they bring back, and I hadn't even gotten to the first one, uh, and I'm yeah. like, oh, my <laughs> God, what? But no, yeah. like, to, to, you know, break up the uh, team-based RPG with punch out or with uh arcade uh side scrolling driving or uh puzzle solving where you have to basically do choo-choo <laughs> rocket was very fun yeah. like all of that stuff worked and it fit the themes and, it, and it's like it's not uh revolutionary in the way that undertale was but i think that once deltarune is all together i feel like it's just going to be one of those things that is I, a is a I, part of I, the I decade fucking... I fucking lost my mind when I saw that at the end of this game, they like uh, show you that you've beaten chapter two and they put it next to a, an empty list with like seven total chapters. Yeah. And they're like, that's uh, like, the assumption that's that there's going to be that much. That's a fucking fake out. Like, I know if anyone, uh, yeah. could, if anyone could do it, he could do it. But I get the feeling that it's going to be a lot closer to um, in No More Heroes 2, right? In No More Heroes mm. 2, they tell you there's going to be 50 assassins. And then in the first fight, 20 of them die. So yeah. you're already like, it's like already like, right. okay, we're not exactly playing with a, with a hard numbers here. Yeah. Um, um, Delta in chapter two had maybe one of my favorite, one of the like uh, cool gaming moments I look back to most fondly from this year is um, kind of like right, right when you first get into the computer world, they kind of start you off with the basic riff of the main theme. Mm -hmm of just kind of exploring the world. You get to dodge little notes and these DJ guys fly out, fly around you. The, the soundtrack is very simple, but then um, kind of as you get through it, you, you walk out into like the main Vista where they kind of show off this whole new world and uh, the beat on the music drops and it's so cool. It's, I think it's that really, that's... really good. Uh, the soundtrack for Delta Rune chapter two, even if you have no intention of playing this free game, you should check out that soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I was just, that was like a jaw drop moment for me. I was like, oh, that fucking rules. And I was just so in for the rest of the ride because they, they opened it so strong there. Um, I will happily play day and date, whatever they decide to do next. Absolutely. I actually waited a little while for Delta, Delta Rune Chapter 2, and I don't remember 
why. I think it was because I was in the middle of something at the time. But I, I every like day that I wasn't playing, I didn't understand anything that anyone was talking about online. And I knew <laughs> I wanted to play this game. But people were like, oh, my God, Noelle is so pure. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know who that is. Like, oh, my God, can you believe that Queen said this? And I'm like, no, I don't know who that is. Like, st- I don't know who any of these characters are. So I muted yeah. Deltarune on Twitter. So I was like trying not to. But, of course, people aren't using the always t- using the game's name when they're talking about yeah. it. So when they're like, wow, I can't believe Starwalker came back. I'm like, I didn't actually know that that was about Delta Room, but I guess it is. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine it's hell for people who don't like these games. Oh, but yeah, but luckily, like luckily I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> But yeah, great stuff. Uh, definitely a standout for me. All right, uh, one more, and then I'm going to take a brief break to call out of work and uh, get some more water. Um, Sounds good. Uh, so... This this is an important one. This one might be the game of the year for me, but this is Guilty right. Gear Strive, ah. and I was really excited about. I went through like a, a waves of of getting excited about uh, Guilty Gear Strive because when they first announced it and I saw how it looked, I'm like, oh my god, it's a new Guilty Gear. It looks absolutely gorgeous. I liked the last Guilty Gear, and now I have like people that I'm you know playing fighting games with more on a more consistent basis. I'm pretty excited about that, and then. Uh, of course, um, like over time, they started showing. They they did the thing that always scares me anytime someone does it, which is in an interview they're like, "We wanted to simplify the systems of the game so that new players are more likely to enjoy mm, this one." And I'm like, yep, "Guilty Gear is a famously <laughs> complicated game. It is. Yep. It has three types of blocking. Uh, the the button names are the are the worst in the business, but uh, you know, not so bad once you get used to them. Uh, punch, kick, slash, heavy slash, and dust." And, um, and, uh, like, nothing about it is, like, intuitive. Like, it's, you gotta keep in mind your air dashes, your double jumps, your, uh, your different kinds of blocking, your burst, all of that stuff. And almost everything I just mentioned is still in Guilty Gear Strive. It is just made to be a little easier. The characters are a little bit more linear in terms of what their game plan is. Not everyone has 500,000 moves, which... I mean, like, one, it's really expensive to animate these characters in the way that they have modeled them. Oh, and yeah. uh, so They all have the most, like, lavish pixel art ever. Yeah, they're, it's... They're 3D models. They're 3D models, but they're made to look 2D, which is, like, yeah. making something really uh, expensive and then making it look even more expensive, which is very... It's a yeah. very funny way of, of solving that problem. Um, but, like, they've, they've cut down on the amount of supers and uh, regular special moves that characters have and uh, kind of eased down the gameplay. And, like, when you do an air dash, it's slower so that people can react to it easier. You can't switch sides as as many times in a single second as you could before. All that stuff. (laughs) And, like, that was the sort of thing that just made me think, this is going to be... It's going to not feel as fun. You know, it's going to feel more like more like a smash more like a street fighter 5 than as than as a, a a game that is as complicated as i want it to be and then it came out and uh it turns out that they had their hands on the dials in just the right way because not only was it really fun for me and all the other freaks who like to get into competitive uh, fighting games but also a lot of people that i know were asking me hey do you have you played the new guilty gear is it good and like people who don't normally like fighting games or but like you know because of Donkey's video or whatever, they were like, hey, that looks like a lot of fun. I want to try it. I want to be the girl with the dolphin. I want to be the guy with the flame sword. I want to do all this stuff. And it worked. I've been running, helping run a local every week for the past couple of months. And we we run a Strive tournament every Monday. And uh, I usually place last or, last or close to last. And um, we are constantly bringing in new people because of Strive. 
Strive is a relatively new game, sure, but it's still, it's still got life in it. But there are people who don't play anything else who are like, yeah, this is my first fighting game, and I really like it. Because it looks gorgeous, the music is incredible, and it's, it's just fun to hold in your hands and mess with. It just yeah. works out of the box. It is a fun game to play, and that's what matters. Like, it's... I, Emily and I sat down, and we played it 100 matches in a row. And, like, uh, Emily does not like every fighting game. I mean, why would you? <laughs> uh, even I don't like every fighting game, and I played every fighting game. But, uh, uh, so, it's like, for it to, to get through to, you know, not just me and not just Emily, but, like, people who have never played one of these games before, and they want to try it out, and that is something really special. This competitive experience is something that I want everyone to be able to have, and Guilty Gear Strive getting to show it to more people is, is, uh, that's... That's just something really, really important to me, and so this yeah, was I, this was one of my favorite things this year. I am as far from a fighting game person as as one could be. Um, I was de way interested in giving this game a shot um, when this was coming out because it's it just looks so striking. Yeah. Like if you watch like one match or one like bit from a trailer, you're like, oh, these guys fucking rule, oh, yeah. dude. Every character is like animated so well has so much personality and all of their moves all the new it's... characters are so cool the new guys in this game man all right so you got you got your giovanna who is secret service agent with like a ghost dog with the recycling symbol printed on its forehead <laughs> that she kicks around like uses uses with her kicks to fight or you've got nagoriyuki the uh the black cyborg samurai who uses like who is also a vampire by the way who uses like a blood <laughs> sword that grows in length and range when he absorbs more blood from you and uh then you've got you know like gold lewis dickinson a character i saw people who don't even know what video games like are even about posting about because they love this design so much <laughs> the secretary of defense yeah. in a in giant like like cowboy so boots <laughs> and a big like like cow skull belt buckle swinging around a coffin with an area 51 alien inside of it and that's yeah. his weapon like it's Though these characters are cool enough to get somebody who doesn't care to care, and that's something special. Yeah, yeah that's one of those things. Like a game that's this like batshit bonkers, but has like the the gameplay to back it up. You know, the the visuals to back it up. They, it's great. It's it's a rare thing, I think. Yes, absolutely. So this was um, it, it definitely worked for me. Uh, my uh, the big con on my list is that I am still not good at it, and I've been playing it for months. So Arxis, <laughs> if you can figure out a way to fix that, uh, I think I'll, I'll bump your score They'll up a couple points. In. Um, buff you. Yeah, if you uh, <laughs> if you uh, increase the range on uh, on Potemkin Buster, maybe a little bit, like couple, uh, <laughs> just make the the pixels uh, a little better. Now, uh, Potemkin already has plenty of uh, horseshit; he doesn't need any buffs. Uh, but just just don't touch him. Don't don't touch the stuff that is broken, please. I, I need it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that that's going to be a good spot to take a quick break, yeah. and when we come back, we'll, back we'll do the bit. rest. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, I'll be back in a bit. Oh, 
General, we've located the base where they're holding the hostages, sir. Excellent. Mobilize the ground troops we have on standby. Sir, the base is on an island, 30 miles offshore. Then you better get the Admiral on the phone. The surrounding waters are heavily mined for miles, sir. Then send in the Air Force. Sir, the airspace around the island is patrolled by dirty bomb drones, which are telepathically controlled by a comatose young girl who believes she is hurting a flock of sheep, sir. Mm. Then send in the Psychonauts. <laughs> some uh, inscription i got that game yesterday because i i kept seeing it at I, people's number one on game of the year list so it's a direct, as direct consequence only... of that i have been playing it and i don't mm. like i've been playing it for around four hours right and mm. there's some thing it's one of those things where it's like i can't tell you what happens in the game because it'll spoil it for you but i'm here i'm four hours in and i don't know what makes this game special yet so if there's something in okay. here I guess I should just save it for the show. Hey, welcome back. Yeah. We are uh, here back in our uh, Game of the Year episode, and I think uh, it is your turn, Alex. What are we coming back in with? Um, I think I'm going to talk about Deathloop. All right. Um, big, uh, it's funny that this is it. being pushed as like a, a big, huge thing, because like, you don't think of Arcane as like a giant, giant studio, AAA, but they totally are. Uh, yeah, I think they've gained a lot more traction uh, lately. I think... Um, the Dishonored's were both very highly marketed, and I think they're very well liked in their niche. I think Prey got a lot more people mm -hmm. because, um, well, actually, I don't know. Maybe it didn't sell as well. I, I don't have any numbers to back it up. But I think a, a, a Prey was one of those sleeper hits that people uh, have just keep returning to because they really like it. And I think with this one, they hit kind of their stride as far as marketing goes. I think they, they really pushed this. Um, a lot of people were talking about Deathloop. A lot of people were interested in it. Um, they're like fully owned by uh, Bethesda now, I think. Microsoft. I don't know. Somebody owns all, uh, well, the entire. Well, yes, I think it. Is, I think you just identified both fish, fish that have swallowed it because uh, Bethesda got them, <laughs> and then Microsoft got Bethesda. So I think that that is how it works now. Right. And I, I hope that that means. I mean, this game is good, and I liked it. But I hope that that means that they're able to continue making good games that I like. Because um, this is like, uh, Arcane is one of the studios that are making games now that uh, perhaps are my favorite. I don't know. Um, well, they're doing kind uh, of the immersive th sim thing, which I know you really love. Yeah, they're one of the last bastions still making these types of very systemsy, very open, uh, experimental, iterative games uh, that I just adore. I mean, uh, I made everybody on our show do deus ex uh, a million years ago I, one of my favorite games of all time 
really opened me up to these types of games. And Arcane are kind of the last holdouts, really, because I think um, Eidos Montreal has, had, had been working on the Deus Ex reboots, and they kind of got put in Marvel jail, and I don't know what they're doing right now. Mm. Um, the third Deus Ex seems to be on indefinite hold. Yeah, that's real sad. Uh, uh, IO Interactive is kind of bringing a little bit of that forward. I think Hitman definitely has some. Bafflingly and depressingly, I have heard that that Guardians game is pretty good. So yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that I mean, like the best I could have hoped for, right, is for it to underperform because that means that the studio doesn't get dissolved, but they stop working on Marvel things. This is like <laughs> yeah. almost the worst news I could have received, which is that it was successful, yeah. so they're going to make more uh, Marvel <laughs> shit, even if it's good. Like as someone who has so much Guardians of the Galaxy like comic book stuff, like. I was like dreading the the release of this game, and then mm-hmm. now people are telling me it's good, which is so scary. Yeah, um, but I, a preamble aside, I I really like Arcane Studios. I've played um, a lot of the things that they've made. I've actually been meaning to go back in their backlog a little bit because pre Dishonored, they actually have a couple interesting gems uh, that are a lot more flawed than those games, but are interesting. Um, but uh, Deathloop, it was a huge release. Um, uh, a lot of people were kind of talking about it, um, a lot more than I expected for this kind of game. Uh, but they leaned a lot more into, I think I was, it might have been on, I think Noclip did a documentary on this game. It was one of the one of the developers specifically said that um, this game was kind of their attempt at approaching the like replay problem with their previous games because games like Dishonored, games like Prey have a lot of replay value. They once you master the systems and you really know how the how the system works. If you know the the full level, you know how the each target will move, or you know how how to get your objective done. You can do it in a really cool, really fun way. Uh, this game was kind of their attempt at making putting that into the first play of the game and making it so that. Uh, you've learned all these levels, you know the patterns of the enemies, and you can do a cool thing. This this game all builds up to you doing the perfect loop. Is that you kill annoying or is it very satisfying? All at once. It's, it's pretty good. I think it works. Okay. Um, mostly because this game, in an effort to make sure that you never get lost, uh, keeps track of all this information for you. You don't really have to make notes for this game. You don't really have to learn too much because you'll... They kind of prod you along as to finding out how to, um, you know, get one of these targets vulnerable or, uh, you know, where to go next to do this thing. They they give you a lot of info, which is good, um, and I think works. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so this game is all about killing eight, I think, um, of these people to stop a, a infinitely repeating time loop. And um, you have four maps, uh, each um, with a different time of day. So each map has four different stages, depending on when in the one day you enter them. Uh, Time doesn't advance when you're in the map. After you exit the map, time moves to the next stage. Um, It is all kind of all about figuring out how to kill all these eight people and make them all vulnerable. Because you'll go through one loop, you'll kill one guy, and you'll be like, oh, well, uh, he's on this map on this day, and another guy's on another map at the same time. How do I get? How do I? How do I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what the overarching meta puzzle is: is um, toying with their routines, sabotaging their plans, um, manipulating them into all gathering in the same place, or all or one guy meeting up with another guy. Um, and that's kind of the the big secret. The other like. 
uh, marquee mechanic in this game is something that Arcane has wanted to do, wanted to do forever. Uh, it was one of their like biggest failed projects. Um, great no clip documentary in the history of the studio, by the way. Mm. Um, they had wanted to do a kind of uh, a PVE game, a but that incorporated. Uh, an invader or, or, or another player going into your world trying to stop you from accomplishing your goals. Um, this and, you know, s since that failed project and now uh, there was Dark Souls, a whole game that built a lot of its multiplayer around that. And uh, here it is interesting. I think it adds a lot of flavor to the experience when you're... Um, so essentially in this game, you have, um, you're playing as Colt, uh, the main character, the whole story sets you up. You want to break this time loop. There's another character, a woman named Juliana, who wants to stop you. Her whole goal is to uh, kill you, reset you, and keep you from breaking the loop. Um, after you pass the tutorial kind of section of this game, uh, she is at play. Any, anytime you're in a map that has a, a visionary, a target you can kill, uh, another player can invade you as Juliana to try and kill you. Um, Colt's kind of baseline ability um, is that you can die two times before you finally die. Very Sekiro, actually. Mm. Um, but uh, so the invading player knows this and wants to set you up to die a couple times. Um, they have their own set of powers that you kind of unlock. If you, when you load into the game, you can either play single player or as an invader. In the multiplayer and it has a different unlock tree none of those carry over so you, uh, the invaders unlock powers and new guns and stuff on kind of a different clip i like that but you that's kind of cool you you do in theory get access to most of the same abilities <coughs> just uh on a different uh different curve it's uh, fun to think so, of wily e. coyote coming to kill you while you're playing an immersive sim <laughs> it's and it's great because you get uh, a lot of the same powers, and since you're playing single player with a lot of them, you know how they work. Like, there's a cloak, there's a, you know, the classic arcane blink, there's a lot of... Do you get, um, like, a lot of resources for doing it yourself if you're the invader? Um, if you're the invader, you can... Um, you're a little bit more limited than if you're playing the normal game. Well, you can, what I mean um, is, like, when you if you successfully invade somebody's world and kill Colt, is that good for you? Mm -hmm. Does something happen, or is it just for fun? It's... It's mostly on, it, it fuels into, like, they have kind of an EXP unlock mm. curve. So just playing as the invader and dying, you'll get a couple things. Okay. But if you get the big win, you'll get, you know, you'll get some more stuff to keep doing. See, that, it's, that sounds it's pretty great separate. to me, I gotta say. But the, the cool part, and the part that I engage with a lot more than invading other players, is if you are able to kill an invading Juliana, you can get one of her powers that she selected on your guy. And, um... The other way to get those abilities, there's only a handful of powers mm. in the game, uh, is to like beat one of the visionaries. So you can kind of jump the curve. You can get oh, uh, a blink or a cloak or something um, before you've even found the guy that'll drop it for you. Um, and there's kind of like a currency system in this game when you're playing single player or playing as Colt. Um, you have to um, collect this resource or sacrifice your guns to get more of that resource in order to save things from loop to loop. Um, so you, 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 if you get one of these powers, you dump all your money into making sure that you have it for next time. Um, it's a cool way to um, solidify your progress, um, more so than just the knowledge you've obtained on the previous loop. Um, the game is complicated. It's deep. It's interesting. I think it... Uh, 
despite their, I mean, I think because of their deliberate efforts to make this a game where uh, all the repetition and mastery is in the first playthrough, I don't think there's as much there in the Because you're doing so much repeating already. I, I can't imagine that it would yeah. be, still be satisfying on a second time through. But again, I haven't I played this it, game. It, it hits a little bit of that Outer Wilds kind of Oberdin feeling where... Uh, because you know the information as the player, you really can shortcut a lot of the game. Mm. Um, and I think that is cool, and I've already seen some really nuts speedruns of this game. Um, and I, I just don't I don't feel like I need to revisit it as much as... Like, I could replay Dishonored 2 right now mm. and have a blast. I, get you. I don't know if I could say the same about Deathloop, but I really, really loved it. Well, I'm happy you did. Like, that... I'm. Happy that you got to play another nice, big, arcane game that has all these cool ideas. Uh, and I just hope to God that they're able to continue making these games. Well, I mean, Deathloop you know, we was, you know. Death was a big deal. I feel like people are still, you know, people were talking about it for a long time. People are still talking about it now. It was one of the yeah. games that made money this year. And there weren't that many yes, of them. I, I know. Uh, and we talked about all the, like, you know, them being bought by Bethesda, them being bought by Microsoft. Um, also under the wing of Bethesda, another studio that I just adore is... Um, Machine Games, who makes the new Wolfenstein games. Uh, I just, I feel a little bit cagey about the future of some of these studios mm. that are now owned by uh, yeah. the biggest studio with the most <laughs> Makes you sweat a little gaming. bit. Yeah, I don't know. Very easily they can be shuffled around. I think Microsoft is still pretty good at utilizing their sub-studios, but like they're no EA or <laughs> or uh, Eidos or, or um, I'm sorry, Square Enix. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, so... Let's see. I uh, what do I have next? Uh, oh, um, this one's gonna be a short one. I'll do a nice short one. Uh, this one was Bunny's Flowers, a game that I played for like one dollar that uh, was off of <laughs> itch.io, uh, which is a, something that you should do as often as you can. And uh, this is a, a short little Sokoban style puzzle game where the gimmick is that you can. Uh, store a block like the tetris hold feature so you're pushing these boxes around trying to get from one get them in the right spot so that you can finish each puzzle and you're like oh crap i can't get this block over here because something else is in my way well you can like pocket it and bring it over and then let it out in the right spot it's really really cool it's a short game and i highly recommend it if you can get your hands on it because uh, it's just like a, a nice one-person game, small creator, very relaxing. I, I got it done in one day. I just had a really good time with it. And I would love to play more games like that as as time goes on. I want to I know about the one-person project, the, the short thing that they were working on that yeah. is maybe a stepping stone to something greater or is maybe just that's all I wanted to do. And like I think that that stuff is pretty great. It's interesting that in games now the <clears throat> issue isn't like, uh, oh, there aren't enough games to play. The issue is, I don't know about the best games that came out this oh, year. Oh, there, I felt, I certainly <laughs> felt that way. Um, I, I do like to read people's games of the year list, and I, I had a couple of moments where, like, this is, I'm like, this is number five, or this is number one, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I never heard of this. I, I just don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't follow the right people. I'm not in the right circles. Nobody that I know or, or has been talking about it, or it didn't come to Game Pass, so I just never heard of it. Like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. one of those things that I can't control, that I don't know that I don't know it. Yeah. Um, so uh, actually, a few of the standouts for me this year were um, uh, pieces of DLC, which is weird. Mm. <laughs> um, I want to start first with uh, probably the 
um, the, the one that we didn't share, um, I finished uh, Doom Eternal's second DLC this year, which I am like 90% sure it came out this year. I just didn't get to it until <laughs> a couple months ago. I'm pretty ago. sure it came out um, in like January or I something. I think it was, er- it was really early, yeah. Um, so uh, Doom Eternal, really good game, really, really interesting sequel to the 2016 Doom reboot. Um, it was uh, interestingly received. I think it was. It really doubled down on the uh, hardcore prescriptive play. Um, I, Doom 2016 was a little bit more freeform. Uh, Doom Eternal really wanted you to play it one specific way, and if you did, you had a blast. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, that is the one specific play- way that I like to play also. Um, so I had a lot of fun with that game. I played the first DLC pretty much day and date when that came out. It was not too long after the game came mm. out. Um, this one took a little bit longer. Um, the, that first DLC and the second one are part of like a, it was a two part kind of story expansion that kind of put an end to this whole lineage. I assume, I don't know if they'll do more, uh, but, uh, it was, an interesting way to do this. It was like uh, the first part was about three levels. This is also around that length. Um, combined, they make you know a pretty sizable, maybe like third of the length of the main game. Um, the first, the first DLC, um, they start you off with everything. It's, it's it's explicitly end game content. It's much harder than the base game. Well, not much harder. I don't know. It's it's definitely. Uh, end game post game stuff they start you with every unlock so even if you didn't unlock it in the main game you can play with all the toys and you need to <laughs> um they added a couple new enemy types uh, a bunch of new areas um one of the enemies that they add in part one that carries over to part two is um a like ghost a phantom Ooh. that will possess an enemy and make them more aggressive have more health and deal more damage um, with the caveat that when you kill that enemy, the ghost pops out and you have to deal with the ghost or he'll go right back into another guy. That's pretty cool. I um, like that. And, and the, the only way to kill the ghost is one mod on the, um, plasma gun, oh, wow. the, the microwave beam, um, which I had never even touched. In the I love the microwave like, beam. I, I, I love the microwave beam because it looked cool and it made a cool noise, but I don't, I don't think I found yeah. it all that effective, which maybe they were seeking to fix with this. Yeah, so they, they by enforcing you to use this, um, a, a mo- weapon mod I had never touched, an alt-fire mode for this gun that I love that I just had never used because the other one was more appealing to me. Um, I uh, grabbed this, and I fucking loved it. Um, it's really easy to beat these guys with the, with the one right tool that you have to use to beat them, of course. Um, but the secret is that, oh, this microwave beam works on every guy, and if you latch it onto the biggest, baddest dude in the room... It might not do a ton of damage to them, but it will keep them from doing anything at all. Um, it's like a complete lockdown tool. So you can just, uh, you know, lock it onto a Hell Knight and just have them stand there useless while you destroy them. Um, great stuff. And they bring that forward into the second DLC with a couple new enemies. Um, they make the rapid fire shotgun mod uh, where it turns the shotgun barrel into like a spinning mini Wow. They make you use that in a way that I think is a little less elegant, but interesting. They have um, stone imps that will roll at you and do impact damage. So you just have to, you just have to charge up the shotgun blast and shred them, which is pretty fun, but um, <laughs> a little annoying to switch to because I think the other mod on that shotgun is really, really good. The sticky grenades. Um, what else did they add? Um, oh, the the big marquee feature and my favorite part of um, Ancient Gods Part Two is a um, a hammer slam that you can do. Um, 
you just push a button and you fire this off. Uh, the Marauder, the much hated enemy in in uh, Doom Eternal, uh, that you have to fight in a like one-on-one square-up duel. Um, they have vulnerability periods when you stun them. If you slam them with the hammer after you stun them, it extends their stuns. You can do a lot more damage and deal with them much faster. Um, but also, if you slam any enemies that are under the effect of your flamethrower, which when you use the flamethrower on enemies, they spit out a bunch of armor, uh, it will amplify that whole effect. Same thing with the freeze, which spits out health. Uh, I really so love the, 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 can... the way that turned around for the Doom Eternal base game. I thought that that was so, yeah. such a fun sequence of events. I know some people didn't like Eternal as opposed to 2016, but that I didn't feel that at all. Yeah, I, it was an extension of the way that I already liked playing. Um, a lot of people liked Doom Eternal or Doom 2016 because it was a little more freeform. This uh, Doom Eternal is a lot more tight on uh, you use the shotgun when you use it um, or when you need to use it. Um, but uh, that being said, I absolutely love this second DLC. It just cranked the difficulty up even more. And as a uh, FPS freak, I fucking loved it. Um, the final boss is a bit of a bummer because I think it's... With, the final boss is like uh, Evil Doom Marine, and that's kind of cool, but uh, he's also in a big mech suit, and uh, he fights just like the Marauder, the enemy everyone hated. Uh, it seemed like a real F you from the developers. Like, you didn't like this guy, you have to fight a big boss one. Um, but good DLC. I really enjoyed my time with Doom Eternal, and I don't know if they're going to make another one, but I'm happy that I played mm. it. It's great. All right, let's see. Uh, what do I have next? Uh, I I think that there have been a couple of pretty good DLC things this year. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking yeah, about I, the Outer I Wilds one when I, we get to it. Yeah, I want to talk about Outer Wilds. For oh, sure. next so, is a another really really good one for me. Uh, this is another one that Emily and I played together, and that was what made it so special. This was the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. So this this ah. is a collection of two games that were never translated before. They uh, came out in Japan uh, as part of the uh, you know Ace Attorney Phoenix Wright series uh, with his ancestor about uh, you know a uh, hundred and change years before uh, the original series <laughs> uh, and um, and uh, the they had come out for 3DS in Japan in 2015 and 2017 and because we didn't see them then everyone had pretty much resigned themselves to being like okay these games are just never coming over to the west which is a shame because Damn. the writer on them Shu, Shu Takumi he uh, he was the one who wrote the original trilogy of Ace Attorney games and he also wrote Ghost Trick which is one of my favorite little uh, puzzle story games ever and uh, I was just like oh well he hasn't done anything else I don't know if he is ever going to do anything else I really love his stories and uh, he got better at it as he went along so I would have liked to see this and then uh, towards the beginning of this year, there was a giant uh, leak of everything that Capcom was going to do in the next 12 months because some hackers got in. <laughs> and Great Ace Attorney Chronicles was on there, and I'm like, holy shit, are you kidding me? How are they going to get around this? Because one of the reasons that they couldn't localize it, or so we had heard, was that the um, the Conan Doyle estate was going to be on them for using Sherlock Holmes in a Japanese oh. video game uh, as, a, as a anime boy. And the way they get around it is in a very fun way, which is just calling him Herlock Sholmes and saying he's a different guy. <laughs> Unrelated. But the, one of the funnier things about them having to do that is that this is one of the best portrayals of Sherlock Holmes I have ever seen. You are constantly Ooh, having to clean up Sherlock Holmes' messes in this in this game. 
like constantly. But so he's like he's like he's like incompetent. Well, he's or, he's just very like excitable. He he's he's always okay. willing to jump to conclusions and uh, do whatever the first thing he thought of is. Like there's an entire gameplay mechanic where he will deduce something in one of those famous Sherlock Holmes scenes in which he loudly pronounces everything and points at certain objects in the room and certain details on people's clothes and things like that and he gets it all wrong and you have to correct him <laughs> uh where it's like okay the start of the idea is good like he noticed that somebody started sweating the instant he pointed towards the window but then he started talking about the drapes and the other the, you're like okay there's nothing wrong with the drapes why are you talking about the drapes as the, as the solution to why this where this crime occurred or whatever and you have to be like no it's because there's still, uh, you know, there's still gunpowder on the windowsill or whatever. Just, uh, you know, whatever thing yeah. that he overlooked, even it's though he, yeah, he had the right yeah. idea, maybe. And you just need to kind of gently nudge him in the right <laughs> direction. He is, everyone still treats him as though he is the, you know, the great detective. The, the, um, yeah. And, like, he's not, like, with you in court, which is the main thrust of these games. And what's great about this, uh, Ace Attorney works because it throws you into a system that we all know is cruel and, like, sort of puts that on display. Like, well, if you don't prove he's innocent in three days, then I guess that means he's guilty. But this <laughs> right. goes to an even a better spot, which is, like, okay, you're in, uh, uh, at different points of the game, Great Britain and uh, Japan, and uh, Japan in the late 1800s, early 1900s, which were not famously just places. So... Uh, there's lots of, um, there's a, uh, they, the Great Britain is like, yeah, we're, we're just, uh, we're just doing having juries. This is our like first time doing it. And, uh, <laughs> we're just you were just trying it out. it out. And, uh, and so the jury can like interrupt like the prosecution or defense to be like, yeah, we, we figured it out. He's guilty. Uh, string him up. And so you, you'll have to like convince them. You'll have to be like, no, no, like, look, I, I listened to what you, the jurors, said, and here's why I think that you could be convinced that my client is still innocent. And that's really fun stuff. And like, uh, your your assistant uh, Suzato is like such a wonderful character. Uh, Sholmes is a wonderful character. The prosecutor in this game, the prosecutor is always like a, a big point in the Ace oh, Attorney yeah. games, but this guy is Barak von Zeeks, who looks and dresses like Dracula and has has a <laughs> habit of, uh, like, smashing glasses full of wine in the courtroom to make a point. And this guy... He's doing the symphony of the night. He does it. it it's, so, <laughs> it's so wonderful. He's a great, great character. All of these characters oh, in this fun. game are so great. And uh, th it's a big game because it's two games in one, and it's like a visual novel, mm -hmm. so there's a lot to get through, a lot of text. Uh, it's... It just, like, all the animations are super nice. Like, all the gameplay additions, they're great. And on top of that, even if none of the gameplay stuff worked, even if none of the character stuff was as interesting, this story is just the best one. It's just the best one they've ever oh, done. Yeah. And maybe the best in any visual novel wow. I have ever played. Like, it is just right. an incredible game, series of games. It's it's not that expensive on Switch right now. And Capcom has sales twice a month. So go <laughs> pick up Great Ace Attorney Chronicles if you think that that sounds like a good time to you if you like any detective stuff any court stuff any visual novel puzzle stuff it is good i just uh gave cam our copy because uh uh oh, awesome. i yeah i just like hey look you gotta play it it's, i don't make the rules you gotta play it it's really really <laughs> really good uh yeah you're up all right um i might take this time to do my uh my destiny 2 right. corner um uh, this is the like one big uh, dumb live service game that I play, uh, but 
Um, this year is they did not have an expansion because COVID. Um, they pushed back their big yearly expansion to February this year, the end of February, mm. <laughs> which I can absolutely relate to. I understand. Um, so this year kind of was supposed to be a filler year for this uh, for the game. Um, ever since they announced that delay, but um, the big interesting thing that they did this year was. Um, Thanks to Bungie's 30th anniversary, they um, put out a big, cool, um, very nostalgic uh, DLC pack. And um, on top of including a really fun six-player game mode that everyone gets to play, themed after a game show, uh, where you spin the wheel to see which enemies you fight, um, they added a ton of guns from Bungie's past, um, mostly Halo, but a lot of stuff from Marathon That's and interesting. Myth, uh, games that games that no one played. That's very interesting. <laughs> but um, they added the uh, Halo Magnum specifically as a um, as an exotic sidearm that has like the full <laughs> like Halo One scope. It's like incredibly broken, just like that it was in Halo One. Um, they added the battle rifle, everyone's favorite Halo gun, um, and it's like just as good. They gave it like a custom model. They made it act as close as they could to Halo. It um, they have the energy sword, which um, after you pull it out has an increased lunge, which is such a fun way to homage to the Halo uh, energy sword. Um, it was just such a great pack, even with that stuff. They added a. They also added a brand new dungeon. Um, which are kind of like three-player uh, light raid encounters. Um, they usually take only like an hour or two, even if you're bad. Um, but this specific dungeon was themed after an old Destiny 1 exploit <laughs> where um, you used to be able to stand, by, stand in front of this cave and shoot into it as infinite enemies respawned and farm the loot out of that. Uh, so they, they took this concept of the loot cave, which has been mythologized by players since Destiny 1, you know, mm -hmm. 2016 or whatever, um, and they expanded it into, into an entire dungeon and um, uh, created a bunch of lore and this character who is obsessed with finding the bottom of this cave filled with loot, um, a bunch of really fun, neat encounters. Um, I've just been having a blast with this game lately, and it's so fun to <laughs> I don't want to say to finally have something to do in Destiny, but <laughs> that is kind of what it has felt like almost all year. <laughs> and we're all kind of just biding our time, waiting for February for the big new expansion to drop. But uh, it has just been an absolute joy lately. Um, How can and, they keep uh, this up, putting Destiny... like, these expansions out so frequently? That just just seems like a like a total like when it's it's a lot. I laughed so I I laughed at the hubris of Bungie. And Activision at the time, when in Destiny 1 was coming out, and they're like, Destiny will be a 10-year game. And I, I laughed. I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is, you are building the statue of Ozymandias. This is so dumb. You will never finish it. Mm -hmm. And then when Destiny 2 came out, I'm like, ah, I knew it. And then Destiny 2 has been out for the past, like, what, five years almost? Yeah, And uh, it's looking like they might try and do that 10-year game thing that they were talking about. And uh, nobody, it's not slowing down. Everybody still wants to play it. It gets bigger every year, yeah. and uh, you know what? I, I even I understand it. I look at it and I'm yeah, like, I had, get it. They've had some controversy lately because they have like cut back on a lot of the stuff that was in the game. Um, I didn't start playing until like around a little bit before they started doing this, but they, I think it was a file size thing. I think it was a. 
Um, these all of these assets were designed for the old gen of consoles thing. Uh, they cut out a lot of the early stuff. They cut out like the original campaign for. Yeah, Destiny I heard some 2. people you get a little upset anymore. about that. I understand <laughs> that if uh, you know you deleted part of the road I used to drive for work, I'd get a little annoyed. <laughs> Which, like, I particularly don't mind as a newer player because I was never going to go back and play the story mode from 2016 when I started playing in like 20. It doesn't seem like it was especially good. Um, you know. Yeah. No. But. I'm I'm excited for them to um, continue making this game better as the years go on, and um, it's been absolutely one of my favorite social experiences this year. Um, still not being able to see a lot of people, and you know, uh, being able to just hang hey, out. Hey, we're doing this one remote right now. Uh, I don't mean to uh, pull <laughs> yep. in, pull back the curtain too much, but if uh, if we didn't have to, I wouldn't want to. Yep. But yeah, uh, Destiny has been a uh, a constant time sink for me uh, <laughs> this mm. whole year, and. It has been uh, worth somehow, it. So somehow, somehow I lately. dodged the Monster Hunter that came out in March this year. Otherwise, I'd be in the exact same boat. Ooh, I played a yeah. little bit of that. I forgot to mention. Well, that. I mean, uh, I, I almost picked it up for uh, for Christmas, but uh, I, instead, Cam came over and gave me Death Stranding, so I've got another game to play for a hundred hours. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, let me let me look at what's next. So next, I think next for me is Psychonauts Two. Now, this is another game that I was sweating about. Like I was talking about with Guilty Gear Strive, it's one of those things where the development of the game worried me. A bunch of people were saying things that made me think, oh, this is not going to be good. The way this game was funded was very shady, I would like to say, where it started out and they're like, it's going to be crowdfunded through a website called Fib that nobody's ever heard of before that we invented for this Uh. game. And if you donate a certain amount, then you're not just a backer, you're an investor and you can help tell us what to do. And I'm like, that sounds fake that sounds really double fine love yeah that sounds that sounds really bad actually (laughs) and then like halfway through a development of a game from a guy who is famous for running out of money halfway through the game he makes because he is too ambitious um (laughs) halfway through development predictably instead but okay so they ran out of money but instead of getting the we ran out of money email microsoft calls them up and is like you you make this for us now so they will never run out of money (laughs) i'm the captain now but uh (laughs) But now, you know, double fine uh, answers to uh, slightly darker masters. And uh, that scared me. And then it turns out that I had no reason to be afraid because the game came out and it not only is it incredible, controls, feels, amazing, looks like perfect. Uh, and uh, the Microsoft thing even ter- turned out to be good because when the game came out, it was day one free on Game Pass, which was the thing that made me get Game Pass. That's the big pull. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, when the first Psychonauts came out, like, even though Double Fine is still a pretty big name, like, there are people who are very dedicated to Double Fine. I am not one of them. But, uh, when I I like the first Psychonauts quite a bit because I found it inventive. I thought it was like a, you know, going inside people's brains to try and find information or solve a personal problem or or just to advance uh, out in the real world. Like, that's a a great premise for a game and it works so well going inside a bunch of different people's brains and using brain powers inside the brain to like you know, to do all that stuff like it's great you can shoot lasers you can light things on fire you can levitate uh it you can in this game they added a slow down time power that's really great for platforming Ooh, cool. it's super fun and you can't just like do it for everything so when you slow down time you don't slow down time 
for everything except you, you slow down time locally, so you can slow down one object at a time. So like fan blades that are spinning too fast, or platforms that are moving too fast, or an enemy that you don't want to get over you to you right now. You can slow it down and then move on to the next thing. Uh, this is the... Like, I played a lot of games this year that look gorgeous. I think this might be the most graphically intensive game I played this year. Like, even with Hitman 3 and everything, wow. like, the colors and environments on this thing, and my, my PC, like, it's well-optimized because it's got, it's got an art style to it. But this game does some, like, trickery and things that I really like, where because you're inside somebody's brain, the spaces don't have to make logical sense because you're you're inside the mind, you know, you're in you're in inception, things can do that. I love so that. So there'll be a door in the middle of a field and you can see behind the door and that behind the door is still the field, but if you walk through the door, then you're in the ocean. And it's like, "Oh, that's different." Like I uh, you can walk back through the door and it's still fine. And it's like there was no loading screen there. There was no there's no like map there. There's no wall there. I and then I can't and I can walk around and see the other side of the door. It's someone showing you the whole ma they're letting you look at the table they're doing the magic trick on and I still can't figure out how they did it it's very satisfying yeah. this game was was cool. super super good it does a, something that I find a little annoying which is like the tone is a little sentimental for me for a first game that was very one of the first one of the first game one of Psychonauts 1's favorite jokes one of my favorite jokes from that is that right before the end right before the final level the your mentor asks are you ready? Like, seemingly to give you a video game, like, are you ready or do you still have more stuff to do thing? And then if you say yeah. no, he just slaps you and it says, are you ready now? <laughs> and, <laughs> like, this game is like, it's while it's still good, it's still funny in, in a few parts. It, it's, there's, it's a little too much dealing with personal traumas and like, and like healing and okay. maybe messing around in someone's brain isn't good for them kind of stuff. And I'm like, because of that, a lot of the, some of like the, the bite and humor is gone a little bit. But at the same time, the game plays so well that it's, it feels like such a minor complaint, you know? Like, And that's more of an expectations thing as opposed to an actual legitimate problem. Yeah. Uh, this game is also just, like, colorfully gorgeous. There's only one other game I can think of that was more, like, explosively colorful and visually, like, eye-popping this year. And that's Guilty Gear, which doesn't count because it's basically cheating. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, it's super good. You're up. Um, I think I'm going to talk some Halo. All Infinite. right. I've been seeing a lot of clips um, of this, a lot of video footage of this. People love this game. And uh, as yeah, I, I continues uh, the thing that the trend that has happened happening to me for the past 20 years of being surrounded by people who love Halo and I am not playing it myself, but it seems cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, so I wasn't like on all the preview stuff on all the pre-release stuff. I was not really that interested in this new Halo. I Ever since Bungie left, uh, after Halo Reach, I really couldn't give a shit about Halo. I think that, um, in general, 343 has not been great at um, doing anything original with the series. They're kind of just puppeting around and coasting off of what Bungie did. <laughs> Is kind of still my general take about uh, New Halo. Um, but I, uh, they did a very smart thing, and they dropped the Halo Infinite multiplayer... Um, maybe like a whole month before the uh, main game uh, and they made it free so I'm like oh sure why not uh, just one weekend they they stealth dropped it after a Microsoft mm -hmm. event and they're like after a after another crazy. very publicly troubled development <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah all the pre-release footage for this game people were tearing it to shreds um, but <laughs> I hopped in on the multiplayer and as did a lot of my friends since it was free 
um, we all had a blast. I immediately liked how this game felt, especially on PC. This is a like day and date PC release, which is not something Halo has ever had. Mm. Maybe aside from I, the original game got a PC port, but I also I think it was later. Um, but that's not important. Um, this game felt good on PC. It still has some um, graphical wonkiness, a, a little bit of optimization issues. Um, but I never really had an issue, thankfully, having a, a good computer. Um, but uh, I had a ton of fun with this multiplayer. It's a little bit of a limited suite of gameplay modes and options. I think they could afford to add a few maps, and I'm sure that they will. Um, but the multiplayer feels rock solid. All the new guns feel great. I really enjoyed having time to um, mess around and try them out in PvP. Um, had a blast with my friends and you know, still booted up every so often. So when they dropped the campaign, I'm like, well, sure, I still have Game Pass. Let's fucking play it. Um, for for the, uh, the crisp price of $1, I still have some Game Pass. Um, and I downloaded the campaign, booted, up, booted it up, and I just had a fucking blast with it. Um, it's so great that I already kind of had my foot in the door with how this game played, how all the guns felt. I knew what they all did because um, I had played like an entire month of the campaign already. I kind of knew how this, you know, how everything felt in the engine, what all the equipment did. Um, I could just kind of focus on uh, playing really sick, styling on these aliens, throwing grenades around, doing trick shots. Um, and that's like that's where this game lives to me. Well, I mean, uh, all yeah. the good Halo, all the stuff that you can absolutely... put in your left hand is like it really seems to be making a big difference for people. Yeah. And uh, the trick with this one, the big, the two biggest gimmicks with this is that um, it's open world this time. They have a, like an, a world map with um, objective markers and points of interest and places you can clear out to get a spawn <laughs> point. Um, and they give you a grapple hook right from the start, which um, that second one is the most interesting and best choice that they made in this game, I think. Um, adding that kind of extra movement tech to the to like what is normally a pretty stiff game. Halo is very uh, slow and deliberate. It's floaty. It, you, you jump really high, but you don't ever move very fast in Halo, at least classically. Um, I don't know what they've done in 4 and 5 because I haven't played them. But um, unless you're in a vehicle, you're not really moving very mm. fast in Halo. It, now, on foot, it's just as viable. You can fly around, especially with the single player having the upgrades to all the all of your equipment. You can I put, think it's interesting how like, far fucking... we've gone from, like, say, the dominant form of shooter in 2009 being, like, a modern oh, warfare-style, yeah. slow-trudging kind of thing. I mean, maybe not that slow. There's still, like, a sprint and things, but, like, people aren't bunny-hopping around. And then, like, now we're almost getting back to kind of arena shooter stuff just on a huge scale. Battlefield has a wingsuit. Halo has a grappling hook. Uh, Call of Duty has, like, fucking jetpacks and shit. Like, everything, everyone's, <laughs> yeah. like, working try and make you more mobile so you can get around the map to do crazier stuff so you can upload a clip online so that other people go, hey, that game looks pretty good. Maybe I'll play it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the grapple hook is just so fun, and it's, like, something I never knew I wanted out of a Halo game, but, it, like, it changes everything. It really recontextualizes how you interact with the world. They put um, fusion coils everywhere, which in uh, older Halo games used to just be, like, exploding barrels. You shoot them, and you can kill the grunt behind them, or you can do that cool clip you can snipe it and kill the guy in reach 
Um, but in this game, if you grapple hook onto a fusion coil, you pull it right to your hand and you can hold it and then throw it at someone. So um, all around the map, you just have free grenades that are great for clearing out enemies and doing big damage to elites and stuff. Um, you can also use the grapple hook to steal a vehicle. If someone's flying around in a banshee, you can just say, that's mine now and take it. <laughs> um, much easier than in any of the other games. Um, you can, uh, if you see a, like a weapon on the ground, you can pull it right to you and equip it. Um, it's so well fleshed out, the grapple hook. And it's funny having played the multiplayer first because none of the other equipment feels even close to as good as the grapple hook. And in the multiplayer, you don't get to pick. You just have to find it on the map to go get one. And so when you find equipment on the map and it's like uh, the repulsor, which can knock back grenades, it's like, oh, cool. All right. <laughs> it's not the grapple. Um, but the whole single player having been built entirely around it just feels so good. I really could give or take the open world stuff. I didn't engage mm -hmm. with it very much at all. Um, you could, there's a lot of optional stuff. You can kill high-value targets to get their special variant versions of weapons that you can get. I didn't really do too much of that. I got some upgrade armor upgrade points. I kind of resent having to go through an upgrade point tree in a Halo game, but it's pretty straightforward. Um, the story was fine. It was like an offshoot of the Halo Wars games. I don't really give a shit about the uh the lore in halo the weird gorilla people like are the villains yeah um but one thing that i was pretty surprised by was that i think the character work is pretty good for um a, like nonsense space shooter game um you have a, kind of a pilot guy who first discovers master chief floating around in this space is gonna sound this them. is gonna sound stupid but is the still guy still same guy still voicing master chief I think i'm pretty so. sure they changed cortana's voice a couple of times but master chief i feel like uh he barely yeah. talks yeah I, I don't really ever get a sense get, of get him in the studio anyway, like but... uh for like four hours every five years and i feel like you got most of it out yeah. of the way i have him say the words mountain dude just in a... case <laughs> you have a pilot guy who's kind of like your support he'll fly you around in the pelican and um he's really endearing he's kind of like he he's a uh the cowardly kind of guy who you know is uh not uh uh, not too confident and master chief is always like we need to go in and do this dangerous thing and he's like whoa that's dangerous it's like absolute stock standard but i think the voice performance really works um you have a uh, cortana with you that is like uh, a copy of cortana it's not actually her um just to kind of get around how halo 5 made her like an evil genocide goddess or something um but <laughs> she's really <coughs> endearing all of that stuff is is pretty good um they kind of give her like uh, a naivete that I think is really interesting. Like she's uh, like basically a new AI. She doesn't really know what's going on. And Master Chief kind of has to uh, explain stuff to her. It's, it's, it's an endearing relationship. I think that they did a good job with the literal two other characters in this game. Mm. Yeah. You don't seem like um, you have that much but, to work with, but so, uh, I mean, I applaud them on, you yeah. know, especially if, for a game that seems like it had to be ripped apart and put back together. Like if they were still managed to make something that came out like, coherent <laughs> yeah i think anyone that can act against like how bland and forgettable master chief is as a character like just just making this john heroic guy uh like giving someone to bounce off against him is is good yeah. and works i think but yeah halo good i hope that they do some more expansion stuff i think that 
their hope is to support this for a little while. If it's still all on Game Pass, I'll absolutely play another I mean, story, yeah, that's got to be a good uh, way to DLC keep your, your game's uh, player base in there, right? Yeah, I know the multiplayer they're going to keep updating, so I hope that they do some more story stuff with it. Okay, next for me is something that uh, I know you'll be able to chime in on. We got Cruelty Squad. All right. So Cruelty Squad is a first-person shooter, immersive sim-style hitman kind of thing almost, where you get sent in with a target. You, it's a first-person shooter. you got to kill them, and you got to get out of there. But it's hard, and it controls yep. like it's an— It's more tactical. Yes. It's hard. Yeah. It's ugly. It's abrasive. <laughs> All the sounds are disgusting or, or like— unpleasant uh unpleasant is a good watchword for this game i think it it's so intentionally in your face garish and disgusting that they it's such a deliberate choice it's Uh, it's it was seems to me it's a very the creator would slap me if he heard me phrase it in this way but he's definitely making a commentary on modern society with the way he (laughs) he uh like makes this game work with how like it's like okay the only way to truly live the only way to truly like be secure in yourself is to completely give up everything your bodily autonomy give up like your organs give up your like give up not smelling awful the best camo in the game uh says that it's like because it's like (laughs) you know made from these horrible like chameleons and it says like the flavor text for it is like uh, you know, the stealth ops people who wear these got the nickname the shitmen because of the stench. It's like, all right, so you are going to explicitly <laughs> become invisible but smell terrible? It's like you are making yourself into a monstrosity just so what? Just so what? You can get a couple more thousand dollars, but you see the apartment your character lives in, and you see, like, the world that your character lives in, and you're like, well, what else do I have? What, el- what else do I have? Yeah. What, what, like fake crypto yacht can i get on do i have a chance at that or do i can i just kill people for money but then my yeah favorite, you know, keep going um real quick I, while you're on the flavor text you made me think of it my favorite bit of flavor text from the upgrade upgrade menu is that you can get the um the gunk boosters which will give you a double jump i believe um well i don't yes. remember um the but the double jump one specifically mentions how yeah um it's not like a jet thruster it's not any it's you shooting bio goo out of yes. your feet and they spe- it's like gross it's off-putting but the the text specifically says how awful it is for anyone who has to clean yes. it up like it just won't come off it doesn't fade away <laughs> after you do it in detail. a level it's just like this this awful snot looking stuff <laughs> that you're spraying out of your feet I to double that, jump you're going to kill a, a ceo in a mall and you're spraying your goop everywhere that somebody's yeah. gonna have to come but this game that. has some of the best levels of the year <laughs> and maybe ever like the way these levels are designed for you to get around in certain ways to get in and out of vents to maybe kill people or not kill people on the way there um it's there's not just one way to a target ever but also it's satisfying to try and kill them once you unlock the grappling hook which is really just like you're an extra intestine that you can throw around and grapple with. And yeah. um, once you get that, it completely changes the way you move around every map because you can consider more vertical space to use and get different vantage points on people. You can try and snipe them. I really liked the... Uh, uh, one of the only weapons that has a police thing printed on it is the rocket launcher, which is a very funny bit, but also, <laughs> uh, also it's just one of the best weapons for 
uh, doing my favorite Deus Ex thing, which is not using the rocket launchers on people, but using it on doors that you can't open. And uh, yeah. very, very helpful to just kind of get around that way. Um, this game has a, maybe my favorite reload in a game that I've played in a while. Um, in order to reload, you have to hold mouse two and drag the gun down. Um, it's such an inventive kind oh, of... Oh, it really makes like, you like, think about this it. Game in, this game in general really plays with control conventions in a very fun way. They... It, I, I said it earlier, but it's the, like, you have to know the rules to break them type situation where it's like, you could just press R to reload your gun. Every game does that. What's a weird, kooky way to do that that feels interesting and tactile? Because especially in these, this game's not easy. Some of these gunfights can get tense, but having to remember to, oh, you know, hold the button and go down to reload, oh, maybe I don't have enough ammo. It's all, it all really feeds into the <laughs> tension and the, the fast-pacedness of the combat. This game, good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this is one of my absolute favorite games this year. I had to finish it once I started it. It was just, and I, I didn't complete it even because it's it's pretty hard. It's yeah. really really hard, and it, it's all. But you it makes like it work. the most expensive upgrade is yes. a house. That's a fun well, fun. Uh, as a slight spoiler, <laughs> when you get that house, that's your that is your end goal. Like you you have one, you run out of missions at a certain point because uh you know mm. you you killed everyone there is to be killed, but um. Once you can buy that house, that house is a level that you select. It's not like an upgrade you equip. Ah, cool. And then once you go there, you do have your own house. But the other people in your neighborhood, all of a sudden, like, target things start appearing. So there's more to the story <laughs> after you get that house. Cool. It's very fun and cool. And, like, I found so much of what this game does just to be so satisfying. Like, it rubs up against you by being difficult, by being like hard to look at, hard to listen to, different from what you're expecting. The controls aren't right. You have to pull the mouse click, uh, right click down. Once you get used to it, you start to realize, oh, what can I get used to? What are some of the things I can get used to? Space bar shoots mm -hmm. out my intestines. Uh, like, like uh, these things are <laughs> these things can be interesting, and uh, it just makes me think that I, there is a lot I, that people haven't done with these kind of genres and this kind of game that could be done, and I would love to see more like this. Yeah, I, I love that this game has a fishing mini game. I think that that's such a funny way, thing to include in this kind of game. Um, also, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite games moments this year, I think, is the the mission in Cruelty Squad where um, they uh, they do kind of the the Deus Ex like um, the agency is turned on you. You have to fight your way uh -huh. out of this place mission, um, and it's like uh, you think it's kind of a turning point in the story. It's a really tough mission. You have to get out. You have to escape. Um, but then like in the post-mission briefing, your, your handler is just like, or your, the guy who gives you your missions is just like, oh, we entered a wrong value on the screen and made you a target. Like uh, we accidentally fat fingered a button. We misclicked <laughs> and you're, we made you a target. It's such a fun, <laughs> fun way to evoke the dystopia <laughs> that this yes. specific game yes. is doing. Uh, you go right back to it immediately after that. Yep. <laughs> and I also love I love the um, my upgrade of choice in this game was the um, the thrusters. So the, the gunk thrusters that would just push you very fast horizontally. Mm. Um, you can kind of already bunny hop anyway in this game because they let you do it. But um, with the thrusters, you just immediately shoot horizontally with a ton of speed. So you can just fucking go anywhere. It's so good. The grapple hook breaks the game in general. But this is my kind of first taste of breaking the game was... Uh, shooting myself with the thrusters. Mm. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. Like, there's so much about this game that just works and is good, and at the same time makes it hard to recommend for people because it is such a wild experience. And that's what what makes it good yeah. in my eyes is that it is not a compromise on any level. I feel like I just yeah. that's something really incredible. Uh, so that's Cruelty Squad. Absolutely. You got something else, or am I going again? Yeah. Uh, um, I think we'll have to camp out on Metroid yes. for a little while, but I think I'm going to jump to, I'm going to jump to the Outer yeah, Wilds. Yeah, I, I played I this. I played this. That. I finished this as well. Um, we considered even making it like a mini episode, uh, but Seb still hasn't finished it. I don't yeah. Think. This is. <coughs> I'm, all right. So. When I heard that they were making a DLC for Outer Wilds, I was like, well, what could you possibly do? This game is already, you know, we did a whole episode on it. We talked about how genius this game is, how interesting and how cohesive and how every part feeds back into these main mysteries. Like nothing really feels wasted in Outer Wilds. I think on first impressions, it seemed weird that they were going to add any more to this. Like, how could you? The story is already completely told. Um... I downloaded this because, of course, I like Outer Wilds. I'll play more of it. Um, I wasn't really expecting very much at all. Um, they kind of give you a nod or a nudge toward figuring out how to even access this DLC. I love that this is kind of like... The only other context I have for this is Dark Souls, pretty much. But I love games that will deliberately hide how to get into their DLC. Like, uh, it's just kind of an out-of-the-way part of the main game. This, this, Upon starting up Outer Wilds, Echoes of the Eye... They tell you, oh, there's a new exhibit in the museum. You can go and see that, oh, they have a space probe. This is actually how you you have your map in the main game. Um, that's how they kind of explain it in universe is, oh, uh, we have this probe that orbits around the whole solar system the opposite way uh, that everything else does. Um, and you can go to another spot on your main, on your main planet, Timberheart, and uh, you can go see that, oh, it took a weird picture at this one specific spot. So you can go fly out to it, check it out, and say, uh, wonder what'll happen when it does do that. Um, you see this, like, interesting kind of eclipse uh, shadowed up against the sun. Uh, if you fly into it, uh, one of my absolute favorite holy shit moments in games this year, um, if they put you into, like, it almost feels like a pocket dimension, but you, pr- you pretty much fly through the cloaking device of this huge space station that has just been there the whole time is the assumption. Obviously they patched it in with this DLC, but I love, I would, I absolutely love the idea of someone playing this game brand new with the DLC installed and stumbling upon this. Um, Cause it, it, in universe, it was always there. There's, they have this uh, huge space station that you call the stranger, um, which is a big uh, cylindrical, which is such a cool design to do in this in this physics system, a huge cylindrical wooden, woody rapids kind of atmosphere. Uh, um, feel free to chime yeah, in here. I, I uh, think that I, the way that this one has you solve problems is a little more mystical than the uh, than the base yeah. game. In a fun way. They really drive, yeah, they really drive home that this is a completely different this is a different race. It's you don't have the translator. Yeah, to you're playing by different rules than the nomads. So you got to solve things with pictures. You got to solve things with images. <laughs> and that is, it's so clever. I think that this, like, this whole DLC specifically aims to do um, the same kind of outer wild storytelling and puzzle solving, but without telling you the answers. They they're showing you them. 
And I think that that really, really works in a lot of cases. I think there's a couple growing pains. I think there are a couple ways in which that the game systems aren't totally designed for this kind of thing, but I just admire so much that they went for that. Because um, text is like was their biggest crutch. I mean, I think that they, I'm just shocked that they were able to do it. <laughs> Yeah, because in the base game they told you a lot of things, and you kind of relied on the fact that they told you them. In this game, you really have to put two and two together. There's no helping you. <laughs> yeah, I there's um, um there's a lot in this game that I had a lot going on, uh, like trying to figure it out. Like it took me way longer to figure out the things going on in this game than it did. Uh, I, I wonder if it's just the way yeah, the, keep... because they ask you to use your brain in different ways. I was too yeah. like stuck in my brain of the way, like you're not in your ship for so much of this. I was using my ship to solve so many problems in the base game. Like there's, right. I got a hand yep. to them. I really didn't think there was anything they could add, and they really did it. Like they they added like a a like yep. whole game's worth of stuff going on. And I I don't I don't want to like spoil this outright because I think this is worth experiencing. Like, a lot like we said on that on the Outer Wilds episode. Um, it's worth trying for yourself, and if you like that game, you're gonna like this. Um, there was the, there's kind of a whole another half to this DLC, kind of another uh, part to this the space station that's at play that I did not find until embarrassingly long in my experience. Oh, that was like something I actually found. <laughs> I I found it really like I, I guess not early on is the right way to say it, but like uh, I just got to the right place at the right time. Yeah holding the I right had thing all the pieces i just didn't do the one like i didn't do the like one obvious thing like you didn't make like one mental connection that was able to unlock most of the this dlc for me. i'm i was actually pretty annoyed <laughs> uh, at something that i like because i i accidentally skipped something but then when i went back and did the piece that i was like oh well there's still this other place i haven't checked out and it went and told me something that i had already figured out and i was a little annoyed and it's hard to be to say this without <laughs> yeah. being so vague but like uh, you know, there are some things that are not intuitive that you have to do in this. And they're not intuitive because they weren't designed that way in the universe by the people. You know, these people mm -hmm. who are designing this probe, this space station, had a very specific thing in mind that they were trying to do. And it wasn't supposed to be easy because right. everyone who was ever going to need to use it was on the right. ship at the time. So right. that's why. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, just more generally about this DLC, I really like that it's all one location. I think that that's such an interesting departure because, um, you know, the, all of Outer Wilds in general, all of the main game is so interconnected. You're always using information on one planet to solve the, something on another planet or a lead you find will help you, you know, something you find on, uh, Brittle Hollow will help you get to Giant's Deep or whatever. Uh, this game is all one location kind of too, depending on how you look at it, um, that all kind of folds into itself and unlocks other parts of itself. Um, kind of my only, my only real critique, well, I have a couple of critiques. I think that this game, the way that this game gives its hints and tells its story is not conducive to your, um, your ship's log at all. It is very hard to um, remember where you left off or re-look at information without going and tracking down the specific <laughs> slide reels that tell you it. I found a lot of clues earlier than I had context for being able to figure out what they were. So I had to go back and relook at a bunch of them, which in the base game you don't have to do because it's all text and they just write it in your ship log. This game doesn't, this expansion really can't do that. 
Um, my only other gripe is that um, a lot of this really doesn't revolve around the 22-minute timer at all. They have like two or three interesting puzzle solutions that revolve around how this area evolves over time. But otherwise, it really doesn't mm. at all. <laughs> it does provide a good way of... Uh of like not really having checkpoints exactly, but like being like, oh, well, I know I can do this because I'll just be back in 22 minutes anyway. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's a little bit of a, obviously they've already gotten a lot of that done in the main game, right? Like every planet in the main game changes dramatically based on the, the, the passage of time. This much less so, but in a, in a couple interesting ways. Yeah. I had a ton of fun with this. This might be my favorite thing I played this year. I don't know. I really got mm. a lot out of it. Also, like, uh, it's funny. It was funny to me that they had um, uh, the little, like, oh, there are horror elements in this, so, you know, you can turn them off if you want. But, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't really, like, didn't register to me. There was definitely – so it's uh, it uses horror in the way that the best horror games use horror, which is by not having anything happen a lot of the time. And making you yeah. think something is going it's to happen. A fun Actually, subversion. having that yeah. warning at the front makes the horror way more effective than I think it would be otherwise. Because <laughs> your assumption, yeah. your base assumption in the Outer Wilds, in Outer Wilds, is that always that you are the only one there. Always. So they can right. use that for positive things, like you finding another person that you can talk to in the main game, which is always something great. You hear their music and you go talk to them and they're from your planet and you get to say hi and everything. It's like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. what a wonderful surprise. And they can use that for, like, uh, a really fear-negative surprise when you encounter indigenous life on one of the other planets. And, uh, <laughs> like, this game, this, this DLC plays with that in a way that is very fun, especially when you're basically on a ghost ship yeah. the whole rest of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it was it was such a surprise. I was just not it was probably my biggest. <laughs> I don't know why I had such little expectations for this, but it was my biggest surprise. Well, because of the, the beginning, they were the main they were game just was able to good. How could you expect something to compete yeah. with it? You're like, oh, well, my expectations like, you know, Outer Wilds was my favorite game ever. They're making more of it. This is going to be awful. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, yeah. So All good. right, let's see. I think I got one more and then me? Metroid. Uh, yeah, I think that, that sounds or about actually, right. Actually, I'll try and cram two in real quick. Um, okay, sure. Forgotten City. Forgotten City is a oh, was right. a Skyrim mod and now is a full-fledged mm -hmm. game. Uh, it's about you getting thrown into a kind of time loop situation, which is very popular this year. Um, but uh, you are going to a roman city that has been through some kind of magic forced into a situation where if even one person commits a sin everyone in the town dies by being turned to gold <laughs> the big god comes pop, pops up pretty and much everyone, pretty much right? that, something like that. Uh, <laughs> and you are in a time loop situation trying to figure out first of all how to even leave the city because that's not something you can really do mm -hmm. um and then secondly like how this like situation got started how you might be able to stop it or uh, on an even more micro level than that who is going to commit a sin that i have to stop like if someone someone is coming in with a bow and arrow and they are about to shoot someone i have to make sure that doesn't happen while not committing murder myself and the way i say that mm. this game has very little in the way of action there's some bow and arrow shoot light bow and arrow shooting but mostly it is about <laughs> talking to people and using things that you people those people say to you 
as puzzle pieces to solve other conversations somewhere else in the city. It is like it is a very obsidian dialogue kind of thing going on where it's like the best stuff in Fallout New Vegas uh conversation wise is is in this game. You're picking uh conversation yes. trees and stuff. Yes. You're you're convincing dudes um, and stuff. Cool. Not everyone has like a massive amount of things that they can say. Uh like there's only like five questions mm-hmm. that you can ask to them when you first meet them and those mostly stick around the whole time but then occasionally you'll get an item or you'll talk to someone else and that'll give you something different to say to them something different to do with them uh it's uh, like there's there's an election going on in the city that day that means something there's some, one person who's locked up oh. and it seems like they're not they're they're like they seem totally fine so you know maybe you want to free them while you're down mm-hmm. there uh and like, hey, um, one of the one of the starting perks that you can like choose, you can choose like four classes that both all, that all alter your um, backstory and uh, abilities a little bit. The one, the funniest one is soldier, which means you get to bring a gun and ten bullets into this Roman city of the past. But <laughs> most people, you obviously do not want to shoot because that will bring the the wrath of the gods down on you, and everyone gets smite smited but it is very funny (laughs) to have a gun and 10 bullets that you can just like aim at people (laughs) in in this game (laughs) because you're not going to find any more bullets down there i'll tell you that much and what you can find down there is fun if not like a massive revelation it's something that i think can kind of you can kind of see it coming but it, it still is very satisfying the game has a good conclusion and it's not very long i i highly recommend this if you get the opportunity this is like uh, a game that's on the smaller scale that I think that works really well. Yeah, I had watched um, a YouTube guy, Super Bunny Hop, who I like, um, did a video on this game. And I it seemed a little... I mean, it's just because he comes from that perspective, but it seemed a little Roman history homeworky mm-hmm. for me. But I, it seems like there's a lot more game to it <laughs> from your yeah. impressions. Um, <laughs> there, there's more going on there. There's not like that much more there's like it's not homeworky at all like there is that kind of stuff in there like a nerd <laughs> yeah. like him is of course interested in that, that aspect of it um yeah um, but but yeah that sounds cool i i might be a little tapped out on on uh time yeah time, uh, time see i was worried about that too that was one of the reasons right i put now. it off for so long i only played it a couple weeks ago but i had a good time with it yeah. um another one here okay here's a non-time loop related game with no explanations oh, for man. what happens when you die and come back. Thank God. Uh, this is Chicory, now, uh, A Colorful Tale. Now, uh, I found out about this because of the uh, composer, uh, Lena Rain, who worked on some of Celeste. I, I followed her immediately wonderful. after I, I found out that she had worked on Celeste. And then uh, this year, she was like, hey, the game that we made, the game Chicory, it's out, and it's really good. I hope you like it. And I'm like, well, you know what? Yeah, sure. It's time to check it out. Uh, you know, a nice little $15 game. It is a Link to the Past style Zelda-ish game with the main hook being that you can use your mouse to draw on the screen at any time with different paint colors. And sometimes you need that to solve problems, but other times it's just for fun. Like, you're like, okay, I want to make this guy purple and this guy blue. Or it could be like, I want to draw a path that I can walk on from one area to another. Or uh, you can do the little like Splatoon swim in your own ink thing at one point in the game. So that means that you can like cool. uh, like cross a cross a river or uh, or a rocky cliffside or or go up a wall if you paint on it. And there's no real limits to what you can paint on if it's on the screen. And like uh, filling up a, a a cloud with paint will make it start raining that color. 
and like all these all these things that and like even if you're not if you are an artistic or creative person you're gonna there's so much for you in this game there's at multiple points like because you are the wielder the person who has the paintbrush people will ask you to paint things like hey can you paint my house or like hey can you uh would you like to <laughs> replace this work of classical art here's what it looked like i want you to do your interpretation of it and um that stuff is fun i ignored some of those but like other times i was like there's no real in-game reward for this, but yeah, I do want to paint a picture of this porcupine. I do, and it's gonna be fun. <laughs> and uh, there's a minor, uh, like, mystery subplot in there. One of the side quests is that uh, all the furniture went missing from the penthouse suite of a hotel, and uh, if you find furniture around, you can bring it there and decorate it however you want it. So I put all the Halloween set in there. And uh, uh, you find out that uh, someone was just like, someone just got it like all stained uh, by accident. So they just kind of put it in the dumpster out back. Nobody like actually stole it. Uh, but like this game is very like, it, it has, um, it does like kind of, if nothing else in this game was good, right? It's a little on the easy side. Uh, it, it's uh, the, 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 the like puzzles aren't too crazy, but there's uh, so much here to like. But if there was nothing else, the music that is used for the boss fights and the gimmicks of the boss fights, which is that the boss fights are all black with very little spots of white that are like faces or, or appendages that are going to be used to attack you. So like you're in like this void space with this really great track rocking out that you get to fight in. And uh, it, it was just like a, it was so, it seems so small and so far away now, but now that I'm talking about it, I'm realizing I had a... I had a smile on my face the whole time I was playing this game. And I just thought it was really oh, great. That's sweet. Uh, it's, it's on Switch now, which is wild. I have to imagine you use the analog stick instead oh. of the mouse. But, I mean, like, because... <laughs> yeah, I hope it has touch control. That it seems it like does, but I just feel, have to feel like that's got to be a hard thing to make, right? The, the touch controls. Yeah, But But um, if you can get your hands on this game, I, I highly recommend it. Anyone who uh, enjoys... Uh, scribbling on things or playing Link to the Past. Yeah, I had been following the development of this game for forever, but for whatever reason, I just haven't played it yet. <laughs> um, it's, you know, same deal with you. I'm a big, big fan of Lena Rain and anything that she works on. Um, she also did uh, music for a game called uh, Moon Glow Bay, which also came out this year, a fishing game uh, that I didn't play either, <laughs> but am very interested in checking out. Um, that one's on Game Pass, so I might get to that sooner rather than later. But um, real quick, because I forgot, I haven't gotten a chance to mess around with it, but I should mention that um, uh, Minecraft had a mm. huge update this year. Um, they uh, the one of the only other big uh, constantly updated games that I play. Um, they just added a bunch of new uh, new stuff to both the caves and the cliffs because this was the caves and cliffs update. Uh, they added um, like 50 blocks up uh, from the build limit and about 60 or so blocks down oh, wow. from the uh, build limit. That's uh, That seems pretty extreme. And they, fu they fully redesigned like almost all the cave generations. So now you can get these massive caverns with stalagmites and uh, uh, interesting uh, like big geodes with gems coming out and... Um, down below where the normal build limit used to be. Now there's a whole new different type of stone and certain stuff that can only go down there. Um, and they have these massive new mountains that can spawn. It, I haven't played too much Minecraft lately, but um, when I get back into it, which I'm 
I will certainly. Uh, I'm so excited to dig into some of these new features because it seems like it's a completely different, <laughs> which I'm amazed at how much they can change <laughs> this game uh, year after year. Yeah, that's something special. Uh, I, I, I mean, they just had one of these last year, right? Another big update. Like, mm-hmm. that's, wow. They just revamped all of the Nether stuff last year, and they did it wow. again. And they seemingly don't stop. I don't know. They, I hope that they compensate Mojang very well I mean, for all of the work that they do. I think do 2022 might be the year that I year. play Minecraft again. Uh, I'm giving myself 12 <laughs> months to maybe back out of this. Uh mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty wild. I, I'm pretty. I think that's pretty insane. Now we've been dodging this one for a while because yep. we already did an entire episode about it that was accidentally deleted. I know. I'm sure you've, you're sick of hearing that one, yep. listeners. But like, uh, yeah, we are. Um, this was Metroid Dread, and man, was I excited for Metroid Dread. And also, like I said about a couple of other things on this list, I was worried it was going to be bad, because uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who knew they uh, they announced and released. A new Metroid game in the year of our Lord, 2021. And it was, it was good. good. <laughs> it was really good. Like, on par with Super, I'd say. I don't know if I'd say better, because Super Metroid, what game is better than Super Metroid? Almost nothing. Um, yeah. But, like, so so that's almost like an unfair bar to put it, compare it to. Uh, but Sure. I, but I think this, this holds up. It, this is... Um, very good even in comparison with absolutely the even in comparison with the classics like if it came out and it was wasn't as good as this you could be like well it's not that fair to compare it to super metroid and i i would believe that sincerely it's not that fair to compare it to super metroid not that fair to compare it to symphony of the night but hollow knight which is kind of like on the level of those two right like this this game is like this game is like up there it's up there with the real good ones well my my biggest reservation with playing a new metroid game in the current year is that um the indies have all taken this genre and mm-hmm. completely run with it They've like the we re- almost don't need no, a new. No, I would I would agree this. We have we don't need Hollow Knight. one. We have right. We have so many fantastic Metroidvanias made by fans who know how this genre works and have made so many great things with it. But it's cool to play. Yeah, it's really cool. And like um, <laughs> the animations and movement on Samus are really good. Having the slide that can transition into the Morph Ball with a double tap solves one of the things that has bothered me about Metroid forever, which is that uh, the Morph Ball is a really cool action that's super important, but you can't do it while moving unless you're uh, unless you are yeah. a god gamer who can do the double tap down while jumping. Yeah. That's a good double tap. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I love the transition to 3D in this. I didn't play the um, Metroid 2 remake that they um, that this company did previous to this, but I really like all the stuff. Like, I was a little like it took me a little while to even notice that like to even cognitively notice that like oh this isn't a pixel game now. Like this is the first Metroid I played that wasn't made. In pic- they can do depth. They can do camera tricks. They can do all kinds of cool stuff and it's like I, I'm a little mixed on 2.5D games. They use that like background super well in this one. The, the um, uh, Kickstarter Bloodstained game that they made really didn't make use of that 3D camera very much and it just kind of looked washy and ugly a lot of the time. This game does so much with this cool cinematic camera and boss fights and cutscenes and special encounters. It almost reminds me of uh, Donkey Kong Country great. Tropical Freeze, which is my high watermark in terms of a way a 2D game controls and looks. That um, mm-hmm. uh, the way that they incorporate the background into elements that you can like stand on and fight and interact with and shoot at and like 
uh, all these like extra paths and the map is design is designed really well and it, it looks good it looks it I like it's not maybe it's not as colorful as I like but that's okay like it's it's it doesn't pop as much yep. as some of the other games this year but everything else works like all the fucking lasers you can shoot are like intricately designed it's, this <laughs> game folks you this game has some of the best lasers out there uh, and that's that's important. That's an important category in your that, that uh. Jeff Keighley forgot in his game awards. There's the best lasers of 2021. When when you get to do your full like end game romp escape sequence, you have like a screen filling Metroid laser. Uh, it's so good. You just and with the full analog movement, you can just you know you can always aim wherever exactly where you mm-hmm. want to aim. Yeah, that's. Uh, um, I was a little annoyed at um, first about the uh, about the analog being the only way that you could control things because I love having a D pad, especially for games that are in two D. But they really make it work because you can aim all the time because you can always be shooting up or down or, or at angles or hit somebody who's coming at you at an angle like. A lot of 2D games will design their challenge around the fact that you can't hit someone who's directly above you or directly to the, you know, to like an 85 degree angle of you. Like, oh, they're if they're not far enough forward and they're too far up, I can't do anything. But in in this game, in Metroid Dread, you can hit them wherever they are on screen as long as there's not something in the way. It doesn't matter where they are in relation to Samus or what direction you're moving. You can hit them, and the game still works beyond that. Uh, some people say yeah. that this game is too hard. I personally didn't feel that. However, I felt it with some of the other stuff that came out this year, so I, I get it. I I love the challenge in this. I was shocked that it was as hard as it was for being a Nintendo game release. I was coming fresh off a of Fusion playthrough, and I, I um, think that that one uh, squeezes you a little tighter in terms of resources. But I think also that your screen is so small in that game that Dread having a wider field of vision really makes a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah, this helps being on the Nintendo <laughs> Switch and not being on a handheld. Or, I mean, a smaller handheld, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, being able to play it on the nice big TV, like, uh, this is uh, not something that you get to do often, play a Metroid game that was meant to be on a I TV, on a, on a big TV. I definitely... I definitely said it when we did the um, the, the lost episode on this, but I was just so so happy that this didn't look like a 3DS game. I was so scared. I mean, I don't know. I I know that the studio that the same studio that did this did the 3DS mm-hmm. remake of two, and I know people like that game. I'm sure it's, it's good. Fine. I haven't played it's, it. It's it's like that, but that yeah, that game looks a little rough. You could tell it was kind of the the. It's better than effort. Metroid I, One. I'm so. <laughs> I'm so happy that they had the both the chance and were able to just fully iterate on that and make an amazing, original, interesting game. Yeah. Oh, man. I just loved it. <clears throat> it's another one of those games, and I brought this up a couple of times so far, but when I was done with it, I was looking at the door to the final boss, and I'm like, I don't have to do this just yet. I went back, 100%ed it. Never done that <laughs> with a Metroid game before because I was thinking to myself, like, oh, I like this game, but I'm ready to be done. And I didn't have that with Dread. It, maybe it was just the excitement at having this like new experience that I didn't get, to, I hadn't had in so long, like a new Metroid game, a new 2D Metroid game, and I get to play it right now. Wow! Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's been it's been such a drought as far as Metroid goes. You know, we're all waiting on yeah. Prime Four. This, they kind of <laughs> snuck this right in, and hell, I was wait. I've been waiting for a new 2D so one way did. longer than I've been waiting for Prime Four. So I mean, those those guys those That's guys true. can take their time as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm happy to get this, <laughs> yeah. and for it to be Nintendo's big thing this year. Like a Mario game came out, and Metroid still got more heavily marketed. That's pretty wild. And people That's liked true. it. People really yeah. liked it. Oh, this is a lot of people's first Metroid game in the sense, in the same way that Guilty Gear was a lot of people's first Guilty Gear game, and that more people have grown up since the last one came out. And also, 
the new platforms that they are on are way more accessible to people. Like, hey, lots of people have a Switch. There's a new big game with a cool robot lady in it, and it's like, oh, wow, uh, Metroid, who's Metroid, who's yeah, that? It, and it's like, that's her on the cover. You're going to love it. Right. Um, not, not to get on my soapbox at all, but uh, it is funny that, like, oh, people will be playing this as their first Metroid game. They'll get a, re- a real taste for this franchise. Um, if they're interested in playing more Metroid games, oh, what are their options? Download oh, Switch Online um, and get hmm. Super, or uh, use right. the wonderful world of the computer to download a Metroid game and then play it, which <laughs> yes. I recommend it. Mm, all of the ones that are still stuck on the Game Boy Advance that they made. Uh, listeners, or... if you're looking to play mm. Metroid game, I recommend looking on the computer. They're on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that most of the options for playing another Metroid <laughs> game don't give Nintendo any more money. Yeah, you think they would have sorted that it's out like by idiots? now? Uh, the rumor <laughs> has it that they've been sitting on a Prime trilogy collection that they don't want to release until Prime Four is close to the end of its development, which is a very funny idea to <laughs> okay. me. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, but even that is like, well, where's Fusion? Where's Zero Mission? Where's like, I don't know. Even uh, like Metroid One's there, sure. But what about Two? And if something's on the 3DS, it's never getting off of that thing. So, like, uh, yeah. Mercury Steam's freshman effort is probably going to fade into obscurity or unplayability soon. Mm. But this game will be around, I hope, for a while and will be something that people look towards. And I think that the bosses are well designed, done. I think that the escape sequence is well done. All of this uh, is just so yeah. much fun. I had a great time with it. Uh, I think this is this is definitely up there for me. This is, this is number three, I think, game of the year-wise for me. Yeah, I... I don't know if I can rank my favorites so far this year. I, despite, you know, uh, gushing for two hours about games we like this year, a lot of these don't really don't really stand up uh, compared to, you know, some of the old games I played this year and some of the games that I played last year. Yeah. Um, the last... Stuff, uh, I have one tiny thing to sneak in right under the wire. Uh, there's a game called Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator that's free on Game Pass. It is made by Zalavier Nelson Jr., who is a guy who makes a lot of games a year, a lot of smaller games a year, and has been on a lot of teams. He uh, made a game that was called something like uh, An Airport for Aliens Run by Dogs is like the full title of the game. That's a very interesting game that I highly recommend you check out if you're looking, if you like exploring a strange space that you cannot possibly figure out. Um, (laughs) But this one is about, like, it's, it's, uh, it's like an uplink or... Um, I'm trying to think of another game where you're just looking at one screen and that is your computer the entire time. Like uh, Hypnospace is another example, okay. right? Like, So the oh, game yeah. that yep. you're looking at, you're looking at your space future Bloomberg term- terminal and the only thing that you can do is buy and sell organs and uh, manage how you store them and who you sell them to. And at first I'm like, that's just the stock market. That doesn't sound <laughs> fun at all. But I picked it up because I liked I liked the <laughs> way that this guy's writing works and I liked the way that his, uh, his stuff was designed. Also, the music in this game is incredible. The music in this game completely just totally slaps and um but then what makes it work is that you got crazy taxi style people messaging you and asking can you get me this hey hey i need a heart under this condition i need a heart that's in worse condition than this or i need i need two yeah (laughs) well so the reason people are asking for a shitty heart is because they want to flip it and if somebody's asking you Uh. for eyes and i don't care about the quality it's because i need to see and i don't care how well i see (laughs) and then like you know those that's some of the reasons people are asking you for stuff and somebody's like i want to patch up a hole that i have 
can you get me a kidney? And it's like, okay, are you talking about a hole in yourself or a hole in your wall or something? And it's like, well, not specific, but we'll move on. I'll get him a kidney. Uh, you get a, I am Prince of Foreign World. Uh, I will be paying you $2 million after you deliver me two eyeballs. And it's like, he will not. For sure, that's a scam. I can use my real-life experience to recognize yeah. that's a scam and decline this request. But if you do it anyway, you get a little achievement that says, got scammed, which is very funny. Uh, oh, that's funny. And then people start asking you for organs that aren't in the human body. They, some people ask you for rock cane, which is like an acidic DNA strand-looking thing that starts appearing on the market. Or people ask you for a shift wux, which looks like a uh, one of those tire donuts. Or... Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> moments in the game was when somebody asked me I got a message pop up where someone was asking me for a soul and I'm like that's really funny that he's asking me for that because I can't get it for him this is going to be one of those requests that you're supposed to decline like it's just it's just meant to teach you something and then I go on the market and nope there's a soul it's got the this, yeah this, there's oh, a yin yang him? symbol and that <laughs> represents the soul and they were pretty cheap that time souls are usually relatively expensive they, yeah, but they, that, that was a pretty cheap soul they put yeah. a price on the soul uh, uh, so you know you get your you got your brains, your hearts, your uh, your kidneys, stomachs, uh, shift wuxes, all that stuff, and then people start selling souls, and you got all kinds of things on there. And I pl I only played that game for a Good couple of uh, hours, although I don't know how long because as a game, one of the gimmicks of this game is that um, uh, it counts uh, how long you played it and how many breaths you've taken as an estimation. Which is a really funny way to do it. This game is super clever, and I really Weird. love it. I think That's that you should cool. check it out, especially if you have Game Pass because it's free. Um, and with that, I think we've gotten through everything that happened this year. Yeah. Uh, and we ran long, but you know what? We had a lot to talk about. And also, Alex and I are totally starved for conversation. Or maybe I, I maybe it's just me. I am. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been a while. I've, I've been yeah. dying to record something. So here we are. Oh man. <laughs> It's been fun. I, you know, despite <laughs> despite how seemingly light this year was on games, we had a lot to talk about. A lot of yeah. interesting stuff came. Out. Uh, there was just there was just so much to get through. But I think I hope that we let you know about some games that you didn't even know came out otherwise, or you know uh, maybe told you to check out something that you had heard about, but you were like, ah, whatever, I don't care. Like like if there's there's so much out there, and like you know. Uh, like I think that it's fun. This stuff like this is always how I found out about it, something that I missed the, from the year before. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, Just hearing people list out yes. the stuff that they liked and being like, "Oh, I've truly yeah. never heard of this." Yeah, or you know, whatever. like you look it up it's and you cool go, "Hey, that go looks really through, cool. You know? Maybe I want to try that." Or you look it up and it, and you go, "Wow, I don't understand why anyone part, likes this." A big part of my January and February usually is. Um, scrounging together interesting game recommendation recommendations i heard around game of the year times and being like oh i'll try that oh sure i never got around to playing this. i i'm doing that right now by playing um, inscription which is a game where i don't know what its thing is i don't understand what i haven't gotten to haven't the gotten to thing the cool, the cool part. part that nobody will tell me about but everyone <laughs> says is there so i have to keep playing because i can't ruin it for myself by just looking it up and also, I'm stubborn, yeah. but the game is okay. It's pretty good, so I guess I can I can suffer through it for a little longer. <laughs> Anything you're looking forward to next year before we sign well, off? Maybe. Oh, um, it's pretty much just mm. Elden Ring. That's a I'm yeah. I'm pretty excited mm. about that myself. Uh, yep, that's gonna be you know gonna be the first one of those of I play on PC. February cannot come I soon think, enough uh, because yeah. I now I have one of these and uh, I think it'll probably run it better than the PS4 Pro I got sitting over there. Yep, that's. You know, we I, I talked about on this list a couple of games that I, you know, was really looking forward to the previous year. That's pretty mm -hmm. much the only one that I'm like, 
oh, you know, obviously I'm going to play this. I've been waiting, you know, ever mm, since they yeah. announced it, you oh, know, yeah. with bated breath for news on this. I've been completely avoiding a lot of the trailers and the Well, I mean, I saw the horse stuff. double just... jump, but that's all I needed to know. I didn't need to I don't need to see anything else. Why else <laughs> yep. what, what else what could I possibly need yep. to know? I'm already going to buy the game. I'm sold. Yeah, I'm going to go buy the game, put 100 hours yeah. into it, and have a great uh, time. So for me, I got so. three. There are three things coming out in February, Elden Ring being one of them. But we've also got a new King of Fighters, which ha- we haven't had one of those in a while, especially not one with a full budget. Um, new King of okay, Fighters cool. uh, coming out in February, allegedly. And also, insanely, 3D Kirby game coming out in February. I'm very excited about that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we'll see. If, I don't know if it's one, actually right? going to be open world. Like, I think it's more going to be like they plop you around in a level <laughs> that you can walk in eight directions in. That's my guess. Okay. All but, right, I okay. mean, if it is open world, that's pretty wild. I mean, they already did Kirby Metroidvania back with Amazing Mirrors. So just plop, put him in whatever genre you want. I don't care. I'm going to be happy about it. Um, yeah, so cool. that, that stuff all looks good. And thank you so much. And if you want to tell us about a game that we didn't mention that you think is really, really cool, please do. Please send us an email at pleasedon'tcast.gmail.com. And that is please don't cast at gmail.com. And we will see you next year with more video games, most likely. Oh, for sure. Yeah, tell Cam I said <laughs> there are video games oh, coming out next year. Yeah. I always have yeah, so much I like this fun a lot. Yeah. I'm going to